For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Home of the... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They got him again! Sixers. Bang! It's good! Ball game! And Flyers. Tipped in front of the net! 97.3 ESPN. WENJ. WENJ HD. Millville, Atlantic City. A Town Square media station serving all of South Jersey. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Rocking on a Tuesday edition of the Sports Bash. Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show. And you out there, we've got um, a bunch to get into. I mean, I know the Super Bowl's here, but that's next week. We'll talk a little bit about the game and some of the stuff around it. But it's that time of the year where we start to kind of Check out the off-season stories. I did see, this will be for later on tonight, uh, Lamar Jackson getting a lot of heat for obviously coming up short for Baltimore. Will he ever win a Super Bowl or get his team to a Super Bowl? Uh, CBS Sports put out the list of the 10 quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks to never win a Super Bowl. So is Lamar Jackson going to end up on this list? Now, the list they have, it's from our friend Jeff Kerr, from CBS Sports, they're all retired. He does not have active quarterbacks on the list, but I'd like to see his retired list and then infiltrate the current quarterbacks on that list because there's a couple quarterbacks that have been to the Super Bowl, lost, and we don't know if they'll ever get back. Joe Burrow um, would come to mind. Jalen Hurts would come to mind. Uh, now possibly Brock Purdy if he loses this. I don't know would he be considered one of the best of all time. But uh, something to think about a little bit later on tonight uh, on the Sports Bash. Uh, now that the Super Bowl is here, okay? Yesterday we reacted to championship weekend. Now we have the Super Bowl set. Um, here's the thing. The Super Bowl is the next big sporting event coming up. But other than the Super Bowl, what is the next sporting event that you are looking forward to? And I have a couple that I'll throw out there. But we have a lot of people commenting on this on our Facebook page. And if you want to text 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Other than the Super Bowl, what's the next sporting event you're looking forward to? So you got Super Bowl Sunday. That's the last, like, football day of the year and 
party and get it all out of your system. And then what? So you're, I guess your nominees would be Philly's opening day, the Masters. You know, this year is the 150th running of the Kentucky Derby. So you got the Derby this year. Anybody actually ever been to the Derby? March Madness is coming. The NFL draft would be one. Uh, the Sixers in the NBA playoffs. And quite possibly the Flyers in the NBA playoffs. So they're just a couple that kind of pop in my head. Is there something else? Is there another sporting event that you're looking forward to? Like Philly's opening day, like that's a Thursday afternoon this year. It's a Thursday afternoon. It's 3 o'clock. And opening day for the Phillies this year is at home. I think they play the Braves in Philly on opening day this year. So that's like, you know, the kickoff of the baseball season. The Masters, like, you pretty much have to be a big golf fan. Actually, I don't want to say a big golf fan. But you have to be a fan of, like, big events. Like, But if you're not a golf fan, you might not be like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Masters. But I know there's a lot of people out there that look forward to the Masters for that feeling of, like, hey, We've got through the winter time, and it's on to the next. You know, I was talking about this with my girlfriend last night. You know, January is, like, my birthday's in January. It's, like, towards the end of January. It just passed. And it's always, like, the most dreary, dreadful, like, my birthday always falls on just a cold, blustery, rainy, gray. It's always the worst day. It's always like cold and freezing and nobody wants to do anything. This year was actually somewhat mild. It wasn't too bad. It rained, but the weather was pretty warm. But I always like when I hit my birthday in the new year, that's that first sign like we're through January. Like January's over. Like it's payday for people out there. If you're a 15th and a 30th type of uh, pay structure, like you have gotten through the month of January. We're done. We've only got, you know, February, of course, this year has the extra day in it. But there's only 29 more days left to go until we're pretty much to the promised land. Like, we are out of the doldrums of January and February. And now we can start looking forward to the next phase of our sports calendar. Like, when March gets here... You've got the Derby. You've got March Madness. Then you start to look towards, you know, the NBA draft and then the NHL draft and, or excuse me, playoffs. The NFL draft hits in April. Opening day gets like, we're here, man. I feel like we're getting there. Like you and I together, we're going to get through this. So let's have fun today. Other than the Super Bowl, what's the next sporting event you're looking forward to? 609-403-0973. So Philly's opening day. You get that, like, all right, we've made it. We're at baseball season. Here we go. The Masters, like, I get it if you're not a golf fan. And, you know, there was a time I got really geeked up about the Masters. Like, I tried to convince myself, like, I was going to get into golf. And I guess I'm just not that old yet. I Maybe that's, like, there was a time where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get into this. Like, I'm going to sit on my couch, and I'm just going to veg out all weekend and watch it. And you know what? I guess it's just not for me. I, I appreciate the Masters. I want to get into it. Sometimes I just can, and other times I can't. And I don't know what the reason is. I, I, it's not like I don't – I do appreciate the sport. I like the event. 
but there's something like I used to feel like I want to do this. Like I want to get into the Masters and I just, eh, it's fallen flat for me the last couple of years. Although when it gets to that time and you start to see the commercials and you're like, ah, yeah. You know, the little piano plays, Jim Nance giving it to you. I mean, he brings it at a high level, that Nance, when that Masters comes. Because you know he'd much rather be doing that than whatever game he's calling at that time. Although he's not doing the NCAA tournament uh, this year. He is done. Ian Eagle is taking over. Then you got the Kentucky Derby. And this year is the 150th running to the Derby. And I will say, like, there is still something, like, about the Derby. Like, I like the Derby. We've had a Derby party at my house before. And, you know, the people come over. They're all dressed up with the hats and the crazy dresses and the mint juleps like that derby day is something still like it's cool the problem is the rest of the day is like yeah you get the the um preakness and if that horse doesn't win the preakness it kind of falls flat but that derby is still a sports day like i actually think the derby because of it's like the one day it's the quick run is higher on the list than the masters and that doesn't make a lot of sense because like, I love an event. Give me the whole day. Give me the whole weekend. Give me, like, just consume me. Make me have to sit here and say, nah, I'm not doing anything. My day is sitting in front of this TV watching this event, and I might go get a happy hour Friday recommendation from one of my listeners out there and watch this Masters all weekend long. Uh, March Madness for me is way up on the list for any sporting event. And forget the next big sporting event. I love March Madness. Now, I will say, I am a college basketball fan. This college basketball season and college basketball in general is in disarray. It needs a lot of help. It's a disaster. But I still love March Madness. So the March Madness thing for me is high on the list. Uh, the NFL draft, you know, I love the NFL draft. I got to say, the whole prime time NFL draft, I don't like it as much. I like the Saturday all day. It's like the Masters. Give me the whole day where I have to sit in front of the TV and I can hang out all day. Like, we all like a little daytime uh, sud, you know, a little elbow bender on a, on a weekend. The NFL draft, I know, Saturday, but who's watching the fourth and fifth and I get it. I, you are. You're a hardcore football fan. You're, but give me the first round on Saturday afternoon. And I say to my buddies, yo, let's go watch a draft all day today. You get a little day buzz going. You're home by seven o'clock and you can go to bed. Uh, the NFL, like moving it to prime time is kind of, kind of a bummer now. You get that Thursday night and you're up late. Friday night and you kind of gets lost in the sauce because now it's Friday night and it's the second and third round and you've kind of already lost its luster. Like you get, you, you get amped for the draft because of the first round. And as soon as that first round kind of comes and goes, like, all right, you're popping in, you're popping out, you're popping in, you're popping out. Saturday and Sunday was just a better day for it. You went on the draft on the prime time. Or are you going draft on the weekend? I got to go. I want to go. I get it. They're not going to do it. The ratings are just so ridiculous. They're so high. They're not going to take it out of primetime Thursday night. So Mike Gill is bitter guy right now. But I'm looking at serving the community. 
serving the bars and restaurants. The NFL draft is a day where you and your buddy says, yo, let's go noon. Let's get down there. We'll go hang out from noon till six until the last pick, and then we'll go home. I could totally. Ah, you're using the wrong microphone. You ruined the whole thing. See what you did. Yeah, it's all right. I, I was going to say, I remember when the NFL draft used to be a Saturday. Well, it wasn't event. all that long ago. They've only been right. doing it in prime time for about five years. You're acting like this was like 1985 that they used to do this, and now it's been like this. has just changed. Like, I would say it's been like this. It's about 10 years. Five to seven years. It's, it's about when they started going on the road and doing like the in each city is around when they started it. And that had to I mean, that, that started either 2015 or 2016, so... Yeah, so it's been maybe 10, 10 years, all right, maybe 9, 10. Well, 2016, I think it was in Philly, 2017 right? 2017 was Philly. Right, and that was on a Thursday night, If I, because we did our show from up there. That was Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, the NFL draft, I, I love the draft. I love all the anticipation for the draft. I love all that stuff. But I got to say, I missed the draft being on a Saturday and the Sunday. The Thursday night thing, like, eh, it's kind of lost its luster for me a little bit. Uh, Sixers NBA playoffs. 2010, the NFL moved. Oh, 15 years were going on. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's longer than I thought. It's longer than I thought. Yeah. I said 2016. I now. said five. We were both wrong. Sixers in the NBA playoffs. Highly anticipated, of course, um, and this whole Embiid thing, he's probably not going to play. What, what did you, I didn't hear what the, uh, bond temps update was right there. Oh, he, he didn't actually have a news update. It, he was basically just saying that we'll, we'll find out more tonight. But his larger point was that the, the Sixers don't want a low seed again in the postseason. They want to have a higher seed for the playoffs. So bond temps. They got bombed last night. Right. So bond temps that was asking the question, could this stretch of games keep them from reaching the goal that they want to of getting that higher seed? Well, a couple of years ago, I saw somebody post this on Facebook today, and it was a picture of Embiid watching Kawhi Leonard hit that three-point shot that, you know, double-doinked and went in. And somebody was talking about Embiid missing all these games and losing to a team like Portland, who's not a very good team. I mean, Portland um, right now is one of the uh, worst teams in the entire league. So you lost to a bad Portland team last night. I get it. No Maxi, no Embiid. But you weren't even really competitive in the game. Um, you were lucky to score a double, a triple digits thanks to Kelly Oubre. Yeah, like I said, you weren't in competitive in the game last night. So... The picture is a picture of Embiid, the one of him looking at Kawhi, who's like squatting down and looking up at the ball. And it's somebody said, hey, imagine if that game seven was in Philadelphia and not in Toronto. But Philly, you know, for whatever reason that year. Now, right now, they're the three seed. They are two games behind the Bucks, but they are tied with the Knicks. The Knicks have won seven in a row, eight out of ten. You've lost three straight. You were closer to the Bucks than you were the Knicks a week ago. Well, now the Knicks are catching you and everybody behind you. Cleveland, they've won two in a row, nine out of ten. The Pacers, they've won three in a row, including beating you. So right now, Philadelphia has lost three straight and everybody's on their heels. So that Bontemps comment, he's not wrong about this. 
They're going to play the Warriors tonight. This is a back-to-back, and the Warriors are a team that right now, you know, if the playoffs were to start, they wouldn't be in either. So this is another bad team. You can't go out on the road and get beat by Portland, Golden State. I mean, these are some bad basketball teams, and they lost the other night. Now, Denver, I get it. Denver is one of the better teams in the league, and you went out there and basically, hey, you put up a fight, but you threw out a no-nothing burger. But this is a stretch right now that you could be in peril of falling out of the chance to get to the one or two spot, and now you're falling back into the pack of the three, four, five, and six because right now you're tied with the Knicks. You're only a half game up on the Cavaliers. You're three up on the Pacers. So you're in you know, trouble of falling down the ladder towards the sixth spot. Now you're six up on the Heat for the play-in stuff. So we don't have to start worrying or talking about play-in stuff yet, but... Man, they got to start to get this thing back together. So NBA playoffs, Sixers playoffs, like the start of that. And I would say, why is that an event that I'm interested in? Well, look at the matchups right now. Look how this league has changed so much. Like all the trades that have happened, all the things that have gone on, like Boston, they seem to be a clear favorite in the East. Milwaukee with the Lillard and then firing Griffin, hiring Doc Rivers. That adds there. The Knicks made their trade with OG Ananobi. Are they going to make another deal? Cleveland, this is a team that last year surprised a lot of people. Well, here they are again. Are they going to make a move? Indiana made their move. They got Pascal Siakam. So a lot of these teams are different than the ones that started the season. Miami just made a trade. Actually, um, the Lowry stuff's into. They traded for Terry Rozier. They traded Lowry away. Now there's some reports that the Sixers will be interested in Lowry if he hits the buyout market. Don't know if that pushes anybody's pile. Doesn't do much for me. Orlando, who was playing really well, they're in the playoff mix. Chicago has got in there. How's that going to affect their willingness to deal? You know, they've had a lot of names in the trade talks. Well, now all of a sudden they're a play-in team. I don't know if you saw Ben Simmons last night, but my man almost had a triple-double and came back, and a lot of reports were this is the best he has looked in a long time in terms of sprinting and running up and down. the. He just looked like maybe a little bit more athletic, like he might be past some of the injuries. He almost had a triple-double. He was 5 for 5 from the field last night. He had like 11 rebounds, 8 assists, so... The Nets, they're currently a playoff team. By the way, not a fan of those uniforms. Nah, the um, what is that? The um, the Nets with the bubble text on this jersey. Yeah, but it's is it was it like uh like the are they like Biggie Small inspired? I I guess. Yeah, I, I they, I they wear them like from it. time to time. Uh, so the East is very interesting, and then the West. I mean, Minnesota's a new kid on the block. And they've got, you know, just an amazing Anthony Edwards is just an awesome young player, the defending champs. Oklahoma City is another, like, new young team. The Clippers, I mean, yesterday during one of the breaks, Rothstein looked at me. He said, dude, the Clippers are going to win the NBA championship. Like, if they're healthy, the way they're playing right now, think about a Laker, I mean, a Clippers-Sixers final, if that would ever happen. Uh, you got Sacramento, who was the two seed last year. They've won four in a row now. Phoenix is kind of lurking with the whole team. They haven't really played together at all. And they're the sixth seed. Then you got the Dallas, you know, with Luka and New Orleans, you know, is, is hanging in there. The Lakers. Um, so these playoffs right now, I know we're a ways off, but as we're talking about Super Bowls this weekend, what's the next big sporting event that you're kind of excited about after this? And then 
You got the Flyers if they make the NHL playoffs, which I say maybe on that. I know, like, right now, you know, they've lost five straight. Are they able to kind of withstand this? I don't know, man. I know they're four up on the Islanders. So the way the NHL playoffs work, the top three in the division. Right now, the Flyers are the third team in the Metro. They are four up on the Islanders. So the two wild card teams right now are Toronto and Detroit. So if the Flyers were not one of the top three, they would not be a wild card team right now. So they need to get in that top three. They've lost five straight. Of course, Hart's now. I would imagine his season's in peril, right? I mean, I don't know. We're going to see Carter Hart again. Maybe not the rest of the season. Maybe never. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, when I talked with Kevin Durso last week about this, you know, Durso was saying that, you know, the Flyers basically at the plan is if Hart is not going to be back anytime soon. Yeah. They, they cannot plan on his return. We don't even know what's going on with him. So what is the next big sporting event you're looking forward to? Oh, Joey D inventor with a good one. The United Football League season. I didn't think of that. The XFL and the USFL, they merged. And now it is the UFL. So there's no more XFL and USFL. It is one league, which I thought they could have taken more teams. Still only eight teams. It's four UX, USFL and four XFL. They kept the same names and everything. Yeah. They have an XFL conference and a USFL conference. I thought they could have just taken all ten. I think they both had ten teams and just had a 20-team league. I think they, I don't know. You have to make me feel like it's something. I would have liked to have seen 12. That was the number I was looking for. Mike's got to be the Daytona 500 warm weather right around the next turn. You know, I I went to WVU. I knew a lot of guys who were in the NASCAR. I just could never get into it. But it is an event. It's an event that I wouldn't mind, like, going out, hanging out. Any interest in WrestleMania in Philadelphia? Yeah, I would have interest in going to that. Although my buddy uh, Punk last night uh, announced that he will not be a part of WrestleMania this year. No, he won't. Uh, cold and blustery on your birthday, Mike. It fits you perfectly. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you to say. I might say the same about you. Uh, Mike, I can't wait for the week of the conference tournaments in college basketball the week before the big dance. Yeah, love that week in the MAC basketball championships coming back to Atlantic City. And I would stress today and tell you now... Let's fill that building, AC. If not, that tournament's going to go away. So we got to get down there. Glenn from Northfield, spring training in Clearwater is what I'm looking forward to. Glenn, I booked my flight this past weekend. I just booked it, and I will be down there for a week for both spring training and the NCAA tournament. All right, when we come back, you'll hear what a former NFL player and current free agent has to say about Dan Campbell's decisions. What if he was on the Lions? You'll hear that coming up next on the Sports Batch with NFL free agent tight end Colin Thompson from the Colin Thompson Show. He joins me on the Sports Bash. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 228 on the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. Joining me now from the Colin Thompson Show on Not For Long Media, NFL free agent tight end Colin Thompson. You can check out the Colin Thompson Show on all social media platforms and, of course, right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Super Bowl is set. We'll be in Vegas. The Sports Bash will be in Vegas next week. We'll be there for three shows, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and you can listen to the Radio Row shows here on 97.3 ESPN. There's Colin Thompson. What's up, my man? How are you? What's up, Mike? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. So, uh... All right, uh, so much to get into. I know as a guy who just, you know, was right in the league, you were in a training camp this year, you know a lot of guys in this league, you know a lot of coaches in this league, I got so many questions, but let's start with the games on Sunday, and if you are a Detroit Lion right now, are you mad at Dan Campbell? Do you support Dan Campbell? Do you subscribe to That's What Got Us Here? What kind of emotions would you have as a player who lost a game where people are questioning the decisions of the coach? My response is, we don't know what goes on in those buildings. We try. Mike Gilshow has, you know, NFL players on, coaches on, uh, media members that think they know what's going on, but we don't know what goes on in that building. I know that's an obvious statement, but... Listen, Dan Campbell may have went in at halftime and told him, hey, guys, I'm not taking my foot off the gas. This is how we're going to operate. Are you guys okay with it? And the whole team could have said, damn right we are. This is what we've done all year. So I see things changing maybe next year in Detroit because the mantra of the underdog thing, that's gone. They're legit. Like that football team is built really well. People would argue this, but I think they're coached very well. And now with Ben Johnson deciding to stay, you now have a great offensive mind of Dan Campbell back, Ben Johnson back, and we'll see what the defensive coordinator gets because he's been up for some head coaching jobs as well. So if I'm a player in those seats, I have no problem with it because at the end of the day, they were still up big. And at that point of time, when that big decision about the field goal or to go for it, right, th- those should have been executed. They weren't executed poorly by the players. So I know we go back and forth on the show, like is it the Jimmies and Joes or it's the X's and O's? And in that case, it wasn't executed properly by the players. So we support our coach that's aggressive. That's what I would say. And he's trying to win. He's trying to seal the deal and put away a really good football team because there's a reason why they're acting that way. They knew the Niners had what they had, and they proved them right, man. They came back, and it's a shame because if I'm in Baltimore or I'm in Detroit, we had two Super Bowl caribou teams, rosters, coaches, front office, the whole nine, fan bases. That's what it takes to win a Super Bowl, not just a couple players here and there. And they dropped the ball literally and figuratively, and it's uh, it's a shocking, shocking turn of events for me in the NFL season. Yeah, I mean, you're up uh, 17 in that spot, and everybody's saying just take the points, just take the points, just take the points. It happened multiple times that they said, nope, we're not going to take the points. Uh, if you're Detroit and you've never been to a Super Bowl, and it was right there, it has got to be tough to be hanging uh, your head this week uh, and, and looking at that and saying, man, we were right there. But then you got San Francisco. What did they do that took the momentum from Detroit and made Detroit have to go for or want to go for it? I think what they did is exactly what Baltimore needed to do to win. 
was just stick to their guns and do exactly what they do well, no matter if it eats clock off, no matter if it may take a little bit longer. They stayed true to who they were. Like, C-Mac exploded through those key moments, right? And that's him running the football down multiple scores late in this football game, third and fourth quarter, right? So it wasn't like I saw in the Baltimore game, not talk about that one, but like the Ravens had plenty of time and they're taking shots down the field. We all saw the Rex Ryan clip, right? People, they thought the Ravens thought they had Tom Brady when they have Lamar Jackson, the MVP, just stick to do what they do. So what the Niners did, Mike, is just do what they do. They made some changes defensively. You could see Steve Wilkes, a veteran leader, a guy that was up for the Panthers job last year as interim head coach. He's been up for several jobs this year. Step up and make the right calls and adjustments at halftime to kind of stymie that offense that was really having their will, right? Like it looked like a blowout at one point in time. We're like, holy cow, these games are bad. And then all of a sudden, you know, <clears throat> they came back. So the Niners stuck with their guns, Mike, what they do best. Kyle Shanahan had this bad rap, right, of a guy who couldn't come back in third and fourth quarters. But he's done it now several weeks in a row, so I'm sure he's put that thing to bed. Yeah, um, all right, let's go to uh, Baltimore. A lot of criticism, of course, of Lamar and the game plan. They only ran it, what, six times with running back. You know, we heard Munkin came in to change the offense. Well, they put the game in Lamar Jackson's hands, and that didn't seem to go well. Was it all him? I mean, obviously, Flowers had a rough uh, couple of minutes at the office there. But I don't know. When you look at Baltimore, Colin, do you look at a team that says, ah, maybe this group and this mindset has gotten them as far as they can go i don't i think if they stuck with what they did mike they're in the super bowl right now this was the year to get kansas city really was agree with that yes sorry i agree with that yes this was the year to get kansas city but this is what happens with these dynasties mike right like if you look at the patriots 10 years ago they always win a super bowl that you don't expect, right? Like they always won one or two or they lost one or two or they like give or take, right? These dynasties, they, they're all upset because they feel like they should have won more. And for Kansas City, right, to have another opportunity to cement themselves and Mahomes now would enter some really, really high, high, high praise individuals, Brady, Montana, and surpass a lot of people with Super Bowl rings. So if I'm Baltimore, Mike, we missed a big time window where we could take down the champs and to really rush Lamar eight times, great. But Gus Edwards, three rushes. Say Flowers, two rushes. Hill, three rushes. I'm running Lamar until his wheels fall off. Because when they decided to run him in key moments, they were in that quarterback power with the jumbo set, and he split it early in the game, and you're like, oh, boy, they're not going to be able to defend it. That's what you do. You get through these, you get these guys through the season healthy. You saw it with the Eagles last year. They started running Jalen Moore in key situations. Well, why? Because, hey, we're almost at the finish line here. we got to get to the Super Bowl. With Lamar, I would have ran him a ton, Mike, and I would have stuck with what got us here. And that, to me, is the biggest travesty, and that's going to be really hard to swallow because Todd Munkin, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL this year, most successful. He's probably up for assistant coach of the year. I mean, the guy had a great, great year right out of college. And then, who knows, is it his call? Was it Harbaugh's call? We'll never know. But, Mike, it's um, to have a defense like that, to have – the players they have, Patrick Queen now is going to leave up for a deal. Clowney had a great year. He's going to be probably gone. right? So there's a lot of pieces that they're going to have to replace, and they have a great front office, and I'm sure they will. But, man, they missed a window of opportunity to beat Kansas City. Yeah, um, they missed an opportunity to beat Kansas City, as you said, a team that seemed to be there. So what does Kansas City still do so well 
that you think you could beat them, but not so fast. Mike, they're just in sync. They're just all in sync. We'll start defensively. Steve Spagnuolo has coached a lot of football, a lot of football. I was with him with the New York Giants for a cup of coffee when I was there. He's a guy who lives down the Jersey Shore in the summertime. I hear he's a legendary coach, legendary person. That, that defense, how many people can really name that? Too many people on that defense. Not like they used to be able to name them. And now they have a bunch of young draft picks. They have a great front office. And Spag's got those guys rolling, rolling, making plays. So it's probably the best defense Patrick Mahomes had with them. So that's really nice. And then offensively, we know the drill. To have Andy Reid and Matt Nagy heavily involved in that offense, tie it with Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and the, the Pacheco and Edwards Alaire. And really their offensive line is one of the best in the NFL, like really good high end players. Doesn't matter if you have Tyreek Hill or not, right? Like Tyreek Hill's on his couch right now watching football because that's the investment that Miami had to make to get that type of player. It really straps your cap and you have to really stretch to make it happen. So the combination of like the great coaches, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, the best receiving tight end of all time. And, just an absolute legend of a player. Uh, they're playing on the road and winning, Mike. This isn't Kansas City who would always have to, you know, the, the AFC goes through Kansas City. That's not the case. So the AFC, man, they blew their chance because now the more momentum is going to be behind Kansas City. And I see this turning into a Patriots dynasty situation yeah. really fast, Mike, where a lot of veteran players are going to be going there for very, very cheap to win a Super Bowl again. Uh, Colin Thompson, NFL free agent tight end from the Colin Thompson show on Not For Long Media. Um, the Eagles, Vic Fangio. What do you know about Vic Fangio and what that defense might look like here in Philadelphia? I was with Vic with the Chicago Bears along with Sean Desai. Sean Desai is a disciple of Vic Fangio. I know they wanted Vic first and then I'm sure Vic probably said you should talk to Sean Desai and that's where Sean Desai came out of. So, uh, I know Vic's obviously have a longer tenure. Uh, to me, this was a personnel move. The personnel they brought in to run that defense was Sean. They're planning on keeping some of those individuals. Some of them are on contract. So they're going to run the same structure of defense. But I'm sure they're going to have a complete overhaul of, of talent in certain positions, primarily linebacker, primarily defensive backs, the whole defensive backfield. We'll see how that goes. A lot of veterans, a lot of players that are owed some money there. So I'm sure how he's going to be doing some gymnastics there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's I'm, an, I'm a Jimmy's and Joe's guy, Mike. Like You can have any coordinator you want, but if you don't have the dudes to execute and go get Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott in key moments, like I don't care what defense you call. You need to have guys to match up with these offenses in the league because, A, the rules lean towards offense, and, B, there's a lot of money on these offensive sides of the field now because of that. So mm-hmm. I love Vic. He's a character. He's a dry sense of humor. Um, he knows the Philadelphia area well and is a fan. He's a foodie. Any media people listening out there, ask him about good Italian restaurants and all that. That's the stuff he likes. So he's a good guy, quiet, quiet, all business. Do you like, um, you got the Fangio defense, Gannon, Desai. There's some people that say, yeah, maybe that defense has gotten figured out a little, do you, a little bit. Do you like that they went to the same style of defense or would you have rather seen them to get just completely get a new philosophy on defense i think it's all based off their personnel mike like you can't just bring in a different front they're going to run the five-man front again they're going to focus on stopping the run having big edge players they have that in sweat and reddick so i think if you go back down to a four-man front or you bring like a cover zero wink martindale brian flores blitzing team like that's dicey dicey business this to me as howie's 
literally fingerprints all over it. Obviously, as the general manager, he makes these decisions. You see now he's making a lot of decisions, at least publicly, it seems that way. So this this was a, yeah, we had the personnel to do it, but we didn't maybe feel Sean Desai was ready for it. So we can do it. We just need a veteran coach to get it done. All right. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you got Kellen Moore, a veteran coach, but he's only 35 yeah. years old. Uh, obviously Dallas, well known uh, to the Eagle fans that he went to LA with the Chargers. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about the fit uh, of Kellen Moore's offense with this Eagles team? I think it's a great match in the sense that this Kellen Moore was an under center quarterback in his day at Boise State. Dak Prescott, when he was with them, was an under center quarterback. Kellen shows a multitude of things, but he's going to run a lot of the West Coast under center Niners type stuff that you're seeing out there that has a ton of success. That is spread like wildfire through the NFL. Everybody's hiring those people. If you can't get a coordinator, they go to the quarterback coach. If you can't get a quarterback coach, you get an assistant, right? Everyone's trying to get a piece of that offense because you're getting talent successful, maybe talent that isn't so strong. So at the end of the day, Mike, for me, I like the move. I think I like it because he's young enough now to relate to Jalen Hurts. Jalen, talk to me. What do you need? What do you want? How can we get this thing going? Because you're signed with Jalen. Jalen's here for the long run. So you got to make it work. So everyone's saying, oh, he's not the guy. He's the guy because he signed under that contract. You can't get rid of it. And I personally think he's good enough to get it done. Very, very good football player. This year he didn't have the year he wanted. It's a part of a journey. So I like the move, Mike. We'll see what happens at Philly, but I think that, listen, Howie Roseman's extremely aggressive. They're in win-now mode, always in Philly. So I see him making some moves here in the offseason that are maybe surprising some people. Don't know what they are, but they're going to move on for some move on for some players yeah. from some players, excuse me, and then go after some players. Yeah, like I, I, I agree. Like I suggested it uh, the other day, when they went and got this level of coach, the veteran coach, it was kind of Howie almost admitting, okay, it, it's – we made a mistake going with more inexperienced coaches. We got veteran guys. And now it's time for me to do my job of getting these guys, you know, better players. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, listen, before the season on paper, everyone looked great. I don't like blame. I don't think anybody's like, he didn't do his job. Inadequate. I don't think you'd be saying that. If you are, I think you're nuts. Because you know what? Guys didn't perform. Like, at the end of the day, I don't think we talk enough about guys have to perform. Right? Like, I'm sitting here talking to you, Mike, as an NFL free agent, because I didn't perform at times. Like, it's a... It's this pretty one plus one equals two business. You perform and you're young enough and you have enough upside, you're going to be in a building. And if not, you're going to be fighting like I am to get into training camps, all these different things to prove yourself that you have wealth. So worth, excuse me. So I, I like it. I completely agree with you saying. I think this year is probably a good merge point and they'll do really well because they're going to have a great roster and they'll be well coached and they'll be more in sync because they all learn from lessons. It's a part of the journey of these dynasties. Yeah, I know that um, we're talking with Colin Thompson, NFL free agent tight end, not for long media. I know a lot of people looking at the, the Eagles and wondering, um, are they in rebuild? Or is this a team that is watching championship weekend and saying, we're right there. We should be right with those teams next year. 100% they, they're right with those teams, the upper echelon, right? Like J- Jalen Hurts. When that guy's back up against the wall, watch out, right? Like two, uh, three years ago at this point where everyone, he can't complete the deep ball. He can't do this. The, the year before his contract, two years ago, holy cow, he had an unbelievable year. Lit it up. Got paid a bunch of money. 
Uh, the ball didn't bounce his way this year. It's a part of an NFL journey. It's part of anybody's journey through life and work. It's going to happen. So what, as long as you have Jalen Hurts, you're a Super Bowl contender, and you, they're going to be going all in to do it. You saw a move like Bayer to the deadline, all those different things, how he's always going to be involved in those things. And I think it's a huge offseason now with the new coaches to get what they want. And I think they're going to have, you know, a traditional Eagles season where they're in the playoffs and making a run. It's just what's the run going to look like? And are they going to have momentum going in to the most important time of the year, which is November and December, because that team was trending down during that period of time. Uh, all right, Colin Thompson, everybody here, uh, breaking down the games and, of course, uh, the Eagles moves there. Let me ask you, we've been asking our listeners today, we got Super Bowl Sunday. That's the next big sporting event coming up, as you know. But what's the next event after the Super Bowl that you're looking forward to? Yeah, it was a great lead, lead into the show, great discussion, got my mind going. I think... The one thing that is just a monster, right, that you talked about is March Madness. Right? Like, this is a fun little break here, though, after the football. Everybody hates it, but it's fun to get creative with your sports. Like, I'm a huge Premier League fan, so I'm all in on that. And then I love college baseball, so ESPN+. Plus, I watch a lot of college baseball. Like a Tuesday night random game, Florida versus USF, I'll watch that. Um, so it's fun to get creative a little bit. Hockey and the NBA will shine through, but it's always March Madness. Then it's the Masters, right? It's, then it's the playoff season right there. MLB starts. You, you said it earlier, Mike, it's the best time of year for sports. And uh, it turns this, the calendar over to the warmer months, which is huge for us in the Northeast. Yeah, you know, football season consumes everybody, but you're only consumed by football. Like, no other sports exist around the football season. And then once football ends, it's like a smorgasbord of, well, you got the Masters, you got horse racing, you got opening day, the NBA playoffs, March Madness. Like, you can hit, like, almost everything else other than the football. And then you get, like, the football offseason news kind of sprinkled in there, which kind of keeps them in the mix so yeah looking forward to it and i know uh now you are um you're not going to be at uh the super bowl this year what do you got your football camp coming up i got the football camp coming up in key west this saturday super excited for that we did it two years this will be our second year in a row we have you know for coaches coming from lcmr football this year which will be exciting we've we got some campers coming from the cape may county area which will be exciting free camp for kids that's fun. And then the next weekend we do like a big Super Bowl, like fishing tournament down in Key West the weekend after that I kind of put on. So it's kind of my time off period, Mike. I enjoy it. Uh, before I start getting probably yanked around here and doing some media stuff, I'm going to enjoy it here and going to give a one more push at this NFL thing this year. One more and we'll see what happens. All right. Colin Thompson, everybody from the Colin Thompson show on not for long media right here on the sports bash 97.3 ESPN. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you. See you, Mike. Thanks for having me, brother. You got it. Colin Thompson, everybody, breaking it down for us. I like the, uh, you know, the insight on the Lions game and, of course, uh, the Niners, uh, as everybody's kind of had their opinion on what happened there. And we'll continue it here on the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN. All right, coming up on the other side, holy moly, how many people, how many people watched the championship games this weekend you might pull off the side of the road when I tell you the numbers. It's coming up next. It's Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.
with Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 253 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. So have you seen the ratings for uh, NFL Championship Weekend yet? I did. So you cheated on the test is what you're telling me. Uh, I saw it last night. Uh, the AFC and NFC Championship Games had... CBS record viewing AFC championship game averaged 55 million viewers. The previous record was 54 million uh, back in uh, 2011. And on the NFC side of things, the NFC championship game had a total of 56, I said thousand, 56 million viewers delivering the best performance for a NFL championship game on any network since 2012, which was previously 57. Now, do you know Give a guess of which local market in the NFC, San Francisco or Detroit, scored better. Which of those markets? The local market rating, Detroit or San Francisco, which of the two had a higher rating? I'm going to guess Detroit. Yeah, Detroit smoked them. They had a 46.3 share. San Francisco had a 30. Wow. The top five markets for the NFC championship game. San Francisco wasn't even in the top five for the NFC Championship game. It was Detroit number one with a 46. Okay. Kansas City was number two, 34.6. Sacramento, which is somewhere in the San Francisco realm, 33.8. Milwaukee had a 32.1. And Pittsburgh had a 31.9 share. Okay, good for Pittsburgh. They're watching football. They like football. Good for them. 56 million watch the game. You know, there's only like, how many people even have cable anymore? Like, these are only cable numbers. So when you hear these numbers, I don't believe that counts YouTube and Hulu and all those things. I think it also does include bar watching some of those numbers. So Uh, Coming up on the other side, John McMullen is here ranking... Which of the postseason teams have the best shot that are eliminated to be in the Super Bowl next year? You might be surprised at where CBS Sports put Philadelphia on that list. We'll discuss. City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios. Here's Mike Gill. Uh, The Eagles are filling up their staff with a very interesting group of guys on the defensive side of the ball. What's the messaging? John McMullen, one of the hosts of Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, set to give us some more insight on what the thinking of the Eagles is with the way they're building this staff, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get his thoughts on that. Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio, and a more veteran staff. That is for sure, John. They are certainly getting uh, a more veteran staff here, including some guys who, uh, or at least one, uh, who have defensive coordinator backgrounds here. So the message seems clear, that we need more experience on the coaching field and in those rooms. I mean, uh, is that a pretty clear message for you? 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And that's sort of the pendulum theory. When you go one way and they went with coordinators with very little experience um, at the pro level, um, you know, Sean Desai had one year. Brian Johnson was a rookie at the pro level, had some at the college level. but And then you turn around and you get Vic Fangio has been doing this since, I think, uh, the 20th century. So he's been around for a while. And uh, and Kellen Moore, even though he's a young guy, this will be his six years an offensive coordinator. So, um, yeah, they they clearly, and that's generally what happens in the NFL. If something doesn't work, you you go to the other extreme, and they're going with experience. And you know, I said from the start, the one you know, one of the positives with Vic Fangio is he'll you know he's got such a great reputation around the league, he can get. Um, big time names to be uh, uh, positional coaches, uh, guys. You know they'll wait and see if they could be DCs and everything's filled. You guys like Joe Barry and, and Mike Caldwell who interviewed. You know they'll wait and see if they can get a defensive coordinator job. But if not, they'll 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 come on Vic's staff. And you saw it with uh, Clint Hurd, who's a former DC in in Seattle. So uh, it's going to be the defensive line coach. So. Um, you should have more accomplished people, certainly on the defensive side, at least. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know um, Joe Barry was uh, being looked at for the linebacking coach. I mean, these are guys who have coordinator experience. I mean, so uh, it, it is pretty clear that they are looking to get more experience there and more guys uh, who can possibly, you know, have input. But uh, that that's the advantage, I guess, of getting a guy like Fangio is that he has the Rolodex, he has the contacts, and he can – has the cachet to bring guys who have coordinator experience and say, hey, come here and work with me, and that's how you get, you know, when people look at a good staff, that's how you build a better staff. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's good from the uh, aspect of, you know, typically positional coaches are, are working with their guys during the week on technique and fundamentals and, you know, but when you have that all-encompassing view of how it fits in with the defense, and that's where you have an advantage when you have ex-coordinators who are coaching a position, they kind of understand both parts of it. Not only guys got to be up to speed from um, their techniques for their position, but they also got to marry it into the entire defense, and I think they have a better understanding uh, of doing that. John, uh, tell us a little bit about Clint Hurt and how, you know, guys like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. I was talking about this last week, you know. I don't know. I mean, Vic Fangio obviously runs his style of defense. I'm saying, all right, you've got Jalen Carter. Like, you almost need to start to look at, like, what the Rams did with with Aaron Donald and say, we're going to build our defense around that guy. He's our best player. Let's build the defense around him. Um, I don't know when you look at the defensive line coach, the impact that they have, but I feel like the more and more information we get and the more the years go on, these position coaches become more and more important to the development of these players. So you got two young ones here. How do you think that maybe hurt helps them as opposed to maybe what they weren't getting before? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to tell when you're talking about <clears throat> position coaches because we don't really get to see that much from the position coaches uh, as reporters and, you know, how they worked uh, on a day-to-day basis. But, uh, 
you know, when you see guys, their their job is to basically make uh, each player a little bit better than what they would be on their own. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't have a ton of talent, um, you're never going to be Jalen Carter. Uh, so it's always a sliding scale, but you want to take each individual player to maybe someplace they can't get on their own. And when you have a, a generational talent uh, like Carter, and I, I, I'm not one to use that word. Uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like that term, generational talent. I think people overuse it. I don't think people are overusing it in the case of Jalen Carter. That's uh, how much pure. That's how much pure skill he has. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they should build this defense on Jalen Carter. I'm with you 100%. Um, and, and Clint Hurts out here in a lot of ways, he's got the best job uh, from the position coaches because he's got the most talent. Uh, but some, in some instances, he's got the worst job because there's also the biggest expectations and a sense of urgency. And these guys didn't perform um, down the stretch like most of the team. Um, and people have speculated with Carter and Davis, Jordan Davis, it was. You know, they, they're still trying to find their ways when it comes to the conditioning aspect of it because they didn't play a lot at Georgia because they came at you in waves and they didn't have to. So um, in the case of Carter, his rookie season clearly hit the rookie wall. In the case of Davis, got a little bit better, uh, but he's not in his second season, but he's not where he should be. So I think that would be step number one to maximize the, the potential of those two particular players who are, you know, back-to-back first-round picks. And then we don't even know, remember, you know, last year they set it up, Tracy Rocker was the defensive line coach, Jeremiah Washburn was the edge coach. So if they do it the same way, you know, uh, Clint's not even going to be in charge of players like like Nolan Smith and Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. So it depends how they set up, how Vic wants to set up his coaching staff. A lot, of, a lot of dominoes still left to fall. All right. Uh, and then Carl Scott as well. It looks like he's going to be in some capacity, whether it's in the secondary uh, or, or as a consultant or something to that effect. But, again, some more uh, veteran guys who have been around the league. And we'll see what that means for what they do with this defense moving forward. I mean, if you bring in a guy like Fangio and some more guys, a couple of years ago, the first move they made in free agency was went out and got Hassan Reddick, and then they signed Bradbury, and then they traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They got Kaiser White. So uh, they went out and made moves on the defensive side of the ball, um, not saying because they got John Gannon in here, uh, the, but the first year he was here, they didn't have a lot of talent on that defense. They saw that, and they were very aggressive. Uh, any indication or thoughts that, all right, I do think they're going to get aggressive, and if so... Uh, would they do that in the secondary or linebacker or safety? Or do they say, you know what, we're going to go back to our roots and go right back to that defensive line? Well, they're always going to go offensive, defensive line. And Howie's been very honest about that. So if it's, you know, tie, uh, offensive up front, uh, they're going to break the tie <laughs> with offensive or defensive line. Um, and I don't think they're wrong about that. But certainly, you know, I, I think, if you think about the 22nd pick, which is where they'll start, obviously how we can, we know we can move up, move down all over the place. But 
You know, the the most glaring need to me is is probably uh, outside corner. So, you know, they've been looking for one of them for a while to get younger. They piecemealed it. Obviously, Slay's getting older. Bradbury's coming off a bad season. I think you saw some positive signs from Kaylee Ringo. But if you can get a real young corner, you know, people were talking about Jalen Johnson at the trade deadline, Patrick Sertan at the trade deadline. Eagles were very interested in him coming out of the draft uh, in the Devontae Smith year. Um, so, you know, there and, and Vic, by the way, drafted him. Uh, people shouldn't forget that. Or he was part of the process, obviously, as the head coach in Denver. So um, I'm, I'm sure that'll come up again. Uh, Eagles like to make splashy moves, as we know. Uh, yeah, they got to get better on the back seven. I, I think people... You know, who think they, they, and I understand it because they've kind of been sold that <clears throat> Vic Fangio is some kind of savior. Hey, I, they got to get better personnel for him to save anything. Let's be honest. Um, any, in your mind, I know you're talking about yesterday, you know, oh, the guys from the Dolphins kick rocks and some people were happy Vic Fangio is gone. But if you're someone on the Eagles now and he is hired, who, is excited about this? Well, I think they'll all be excited at first, I think, and, and then it kind of uh, turns to where it's going to go because he's got a history of, when he does have talent, putting together very, very good defenses. So, um, you know, anything, if it starts going in a negative direction, you start getting more negative feelings. You know, it, it, I... Like is this the, is this the, style the of defense uh, tailored towards any one position where you're like, oh, this is you know this position should be excited uh, with this hire. Well, and you know, if you look at, at his history in Chicago and, and and San Francisco, Chicago most recently with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, so you have the. The, the edge rushers, so Hassan Reddick. But, you know, Hassan Reddick's one of those guys you got to look at because he's going to want a new contract. How are the Eagles going to approach that in the offseason? A lot of difficult decisions to make. Um, Akeem Hicks would be sort of the Jordan Davis role. Um, um, and, and we're going to see how they use Jalen Carter, as you mentioned, because that's such a unique player and, you know, if I had Jalen Carter, I, I, I'm playing him at three technique, but, you know, they play this variable front. You're going to see the five-man front, the four-man front. Uh, so at times he's got to play four-eye technique, which I don't think takes full advantage uh, of what Jalen Carter can do, essentially being a – they call it a gap and a half, but it's really a two-gap player instead of just a, a one-gap go-up-the-field guy. So – you know, but the the Rams did it as well, and they kind of tailored it around Aaron Donald. So you you have to hope that that Vic Fangio kind of does the same thing and sort of, all right, you play your typical scheme what you want to play, but you also make a little bit of an exception to get Jalen Carter in as many pass rushing situations as possible. All right, so uh, there's a look at some of the new things on the defensive side of the ball. We know Vic Fangio and some more veteran-laden coaches on that side of the ball. Uh, offensively, you said something yesterday that kind of stood out to me, John. Uh, I asked about Kellen Moore and which player might be 
benefiting the most for him. And you said DeAndre, uh, excuse me, um, Devontae Smith was the guy. You thought that you think they might utilize him more in that CD lamb role there. What does this offense, though, potentially mean for A.J. Brown? Well, I, you know, it, it's Kellen Moore's history is having very effective passing offenses. So I, I don't think you have to worry too much about A.J. I mean, A.J.'s, uh, you know, I, I've said it pretty consistently. He is the best pure football player on the Eagles. Um, he is difficult to deal with. Uh, two consecutive 1,400-yard seasons. So a- A.J.'s not one I would worry about. He- he's the type of player that can be effective in any offense um, because he can do so many different things. He can beat you intermediately. He can beat you deep. He's probably the best contested catch receiver in football right now. Um, there's not much he can't do. So any way you want to use him, uh, he, he can handle it. Um, and I, I think the Eagles understand that. Now, there's also the question of when do you extend Devontae Smith? Can you pay both of them? Um, there's some issues with, you know, how he reacted uh, at times this season. We'll see how that uh, uh, unfolds as the off season goes on, but as a, just as a football player, I mean, that guy's off the charts. Yeah. They're, the Eagles have never had a receiver like him, and that includes uh, Terrell Owens. Thoughts on uh, what this might do for Goddard? I thought, you know, he got lost in the sauce this year. Uh, you know, he had a good year last year. I thought he was a bigger part of the offense. He was just seemingly not a part of the offense at all. Do you anticipate that, you know, the tight end, Kellen Moore, will get Goddard involved more than we saw this year? Yeah, I, I would think so. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Dallas didn't have a great season from a personal standpoint either. Uh, you know, he got hurt again. So, one, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to find a way to stay healthy. He plays very recklessly. So, I think that, that plays into it. You see, he won the angry run title twice this year. He's trying to dish out punishment. Maybe he's got to be a little bit more judicious when it comes to that kind of thing uh, to try to stay on the field. He also drops it a little bit too much, which I think would have been cleared up by this point, and it hasn't been. Um, he's still a very good player, um, and I think he'll have a bounce-back year. But, you know, I, I've always said he's on the cusp of being in the the top three group with, with Kittle and, and Kelsey and Mark Andrews, and now he's kind of falling behind the Sam Laporters of the world, the TJ Hawkinsons of the world. Um, so you need a bounce back season from Dallas Goddard. And part of that is certainly on Dallas. Um, if you were to get a one-on-one with Jalen Hurts right now, do you think he's excited for this? I don't think Jalen's ever excited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's unexcited, but I, I don't I mean, think, is he looking know, at this just... as, oh man, this isn't what I was hoping. I guess he has to have had some input, like, hey, you interested in Kingsbury, Kellen Moore, I mean, Arthur Smith. Like, there was some intriguing names. I don't know that they had the fans all that juiced up, but if you're the quarterback, I mean, there were some guys that maybe he, he had to have some input on, right? Well, I think if he, he had some, he had any put input, Brian Johnson would still be here. So, I, I mean, I, you know, the word I keep hearing 
from the Novacare complex is Jeffrey Lurie wanted to make people a little bit more uncomfortable. He thought, you know, the success maybe uh, gave people, I, I don't want to say, you know, it became a routine and they became comfortable with it. And, you know, there was no urgency because they always thought they were going to, uh, we're going to find a way to win because they always found a way to win. You know, I think he wanted to make Nick Sirianni a little bit uncomfortable and he wanted to make Jalen Hurts a little bit uncomfortable and we'll see how it works out and if they respond to it. But as far as I think he would, you know, I think if it were up to him, Brian Johnson would still be here. So, um, you know, the Eagles are certainly not kowtowing to Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, just from the standpoint of how they've coached in the past, I think King, Kingsbury would have been a, a, a better fit, you know, but if you look at it from the standpoint of evolving and you want to get Jalen Hurts under center a little bit more, you want him to get him to understand hot routes a little bit better. Uh, Kellen Moore has been successful with that kind of stuff in other places. So if you look at it from that standpoint, uh, maybe it's a good thing from Jalen Hurts. Yeah, looking forward to uh, what this offseason brings. The NFL draft, by the way, Eagles got a lot of draft capital there early. I think people kind of forget they made that trade two years ago with the Saints to get an extra second-round pick. So now they got, what, 50 and 53. They've got 22. Uh, so they do have uh, the ability to be kind of creative, it seems like, on draft day, or just add three of the top, you know, 55 players. Yeah, I think they got to get a little bit younger and they got to add bodies. And, uh, you know, the key is they got to hit on them. Uh, you know, you look at, um, you know, Detroit this year and their draft, um, it's just off the charts. If you think about their success, a lot of people criticized them for taking Gibbs too early. Uh, Jack Campbell, off yeah, people, linebacker. And by the way, people criticize him for taking Gibbs when Carter was available, saying, hey, what would their defense yeah. look like with Carter there? Yeah, and 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 remember, they they got Branch as well, and and Laporta as well. So they had a home run uh, on the draft, and that's kind of what the Eagles need to do. And it, it proves you can do it. But you know, you look at this year, and obviously Carter. I think you know, I think people over Carter was great for the vast majority. Yes. He needs to improve his conditioning, but he was a home run as the ninth overall pick. And, you know, but Nolan Smith was not at number 30. Uh, so you have to, you know, if you think about where the lines got Branch and where the lines got Laporta, you got to get more substantive stuff in those second picks, 50 and 54, I think. So, um, and we'll see how they, how that, how they do it, but they have to get younger. Uh, they have to get more athletic, more speed on the field, uh, and they need to hit on some of these picks pretty pretty early. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, you look back, I hate doing that, the whole like, oh, man, but uh, you look at Nolan Smith where he was picked and then uh, Brian Branch not too far later, hindsight always twenty twenty, but, man, getting Branch at that Nolan Smith spot Sounds a lot better today than maybe we talked about when they made the pick because it was like, you got another Georgia guy who's a pass runner. What are you going to do? They were thinking about him early, and now you're watching the year play out, and Branch seems like a player, and Smith is up in the air. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's probably not fair. And I, I, you know, people like to do that and put. There's no guarantee Brian Branch is the same player here as he was in Detroit, and vice versa. That's always true. Anybody. So, yeah, they, they always you know plucking guys in one situation, put them in the, another, and assuming they'll be the exact same player. Uh, but you know the Eagles had so many issues in the slot, and it, you know, but. Again, they're not going to play Brian Brantz the same way. You know, Detroit blitzes off the edge a lot. He does a lot of different things. The Eagles use the Fangio scheme, and they need coverage safeties. So it's not the same. It's never. I don't. I don't you, right. you can't just assume the, a player is going to be used in the same way. The Kyle Hamilton over Jordan Davis, right? Well, exactly. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's a phenomenal player. Um, but, you know, he wouldn't be used the way he's used in Baltimore here in this particular scheme, which, you know, you might even not know who Hamilton <laughs> is because they'd have him in coverage. And that's an indictment of the scheme um, and the coaches. If you do stuff like that, if you get a player like that, you should. And that's what I hope the Eagles do with because uh, he's kind of the safety version of Jalen Carter at defensive tackle. He's He's different. He's special. Um, and if you're going to waste them in coverage and quarters and, and cover two and cover three, that's kind of a waste. But that's what we've seen with Philadelphia. They're pretty much married to the scheme, and hopefully Vic adapts it a little bit. John McMullen, everybody. Of course, uh, tomorrow morning, Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You can check that out weekdays at 8 a.m. And, of course, they got plenty more Eagles conversation there. And uh, will be there tomorrow. 820. Is it 820 tomorrow? Am I getting bumped to the 9 o'clock hour? No, 820. 820. Fresh and so get that iron the t-shirt, Mike. <laughs> I will make sure the t-shirt is. Re- Actually, I might pull out a polo tomorrow for you. Just All to throw right, a little curveball. It's kind of chilly out. That's understandable. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk Gotta to you. Get a collar. <laughs> All right. See you, Mike. Mike, uh, of course, uh, John McMullen here talking birds as uh, they got the coordinator set. Did you like anything you heard from John in terms of what things might look like with Kellen Moore? Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Vic Fangio on the defensive side of the ball, let us know. All right, when we come back, Joel Embiid, what's going on with Embiid? How long could he be out missing this game? these games with knee soreness? We'll see what happens tonight. When we return, Sixers writer Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers will give us the latest on the Sixers as they've struggled without Embiid and how much longer could Embiid be out? That's next. We have the perfect. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. This whole narrative around not playing against Jokic in Denver, it's taken on a life of its own. And I think now you see him missing a second straight game with the knee soreness. I think it lends credence to what he was feeling before that Denver game. But at the same time, how can you really question what a player is feeling when he's been criticized so many years for not being healthy in the playoffs either? 
Uh, that was Tim Legler on not having Joel Embiid last night. Denver, we don't know about tonight, but Paul Hundreds here from Liberty Ballers to tell us more on the availability of Embiid and, you know, just how this knee could be lingering longer. I mean, it looks like it could be a problem, not just say you missed the game in Denver, which, you know, that whole situation, Paul, was kind of weird. So let's get your thoughts on what happened in the Denver situation. We find out 15 minutes beforehand. I know you're not out there to kind of get the, the feel, but was it strange how that whole thing got handled? Some people would say, well, of course you wouldn't have played him last night because that gives credence to the fact that he didn't play Saturday. But do you think there's more to this knee, <laughs> unfortunately, than meets the eye? Yeah, I- if you're of the camp that you believe that Joel Embiid sat out a game because of a narrative, I, I think you need to reevaluate how you think about sports and how high-level professional athletes think about sports. Um, because I, I think it's absurd to think that he then sat out against Portland simply to make himself look better. I, I don't know. That seems insane to me. Um, I think when you look at that Indiana game, you know, the, the, before the Denver game. Mike, he didn't look right in that game. Like, he just flat out didn't. He banged knees with Miles Turner. It was the opposite knee. But, um, you know, when you do hurt your knee, you tend to compensate with the other leg, right? So, I mean, I think you probably put a little bit of added pressure on that knee. So, I think what you can question is, should he have just come out of that game? Like, they were never really in that game. They really didn't play well. He didn't look right. Maybe that's a game where Nick Nurse should have pulled the plug and just sat him. Um, and, and let him, you know, um, you know, recuperate. I, I think the biggest issue, Mike, is that he should have been on the injury report. Like that's where it ends. Like he should have. Uh, we got Paul uh, frozen here for a second. We'll see if we can uh, get him back in. Uh... You know, put him in there. But, yeah, I, I, the one thing I want to say, it looks like we got Paul back here. And, and uh, it said, you were saying he should have been on the injury report. I mean, I don't know. Is that an oversight? I mean, is that just somebody not doing their job? Like, how did you not have him on the injury report and then not play him? I think it's, and I think Ramona Shelburne had hinted at this, too. I think it's he did not want to be on the injury report because he didn't want that you know, he wanted to play and he wanted the message to be, I am healthy. I am want to play. I am not ducking this matchup, which again is pretty absurd to even kind of insinuate. Um, and I think it, it was driven by that. So I think that's why he was never on the injury report. He should have been, it was a mistake. Um, they're probably going to get fined for it as they should be. Yeah. Um, and I think like you kind of already said, Mike, like the, for me, like if you're a Sixers fan, you don't even care about that anymore. Now it's like, okay, well, this is two games in a row he's missing with this knee injury. He's already missed a bunch of time. It's a reoccurring issue. Like, and what is it? Like, we've heard swelling. Uh, you know, is it tendonitis? Is it something bigger? Like, what, what is the injury? So um, I think that's, you know, who cares about the game versus Jokic of Denver? I think now the focus is where is his knee and how healthy is he going to be? Is he going to be even able to get? to the playoffs healthy because it's January. It's about to be February. And, and, you know, you start to worry, you know, how healthy is he and how healthy is he going to be? Yeah, I, I mean, what do you think is, like, kind of the genesis of this whole situation? That seemed like it was innocent. He's played, and then he sat out, then he came back, and then he's not on the injury report, he doesn't play, then he's out last night. I mean, is this, in your mind, something that we're starting to think is a little bit more serious, or is it something that's going to linger throughout the year? And then, of course, you have this 
whole MVP, you have to play. I mean, does that even register to them and the team at all at this point? How do you kind of read of, like, the genesis of how this all kind of has transformed into, well, we got to get these games in. Well, we don't care about the games. And he played. He didn't play. Yeah, I think Joel has made it pretty clear that he does not care. Uh, You know, he's going to do – what he believes is best for him and for the Sixers and whatever gets him to the playoffs being the most healthy. So if he has to miss, you know, I think he can only miss five more games. If he's got to miss the next five straight and it's going to make him healthier down the road, I think he would gladly sacrifice that. Like, we're at a point, Mike, like, he's probably going to miss five more games, right? Like, it's really hard to imagine he doesn't miss five more games for the rest of the season. Just given his previous injury history, given what's happening currently with his knee, He's probably going to miss those games. He's probably not going to qualify for the MVP. And I genuinely, like, in years past, like, he's been pretty upfront. Yes, I want to win the MVP. This year, it's been more like, okay, well, if I can play enough games, I, I want it. But if I don't, then I don't. And, and that is what it is. And I think, too, Mike, one of the things, there is a lot of hypocrisy in all this, too, right? Like, everyone, the, the biggest knock on Joel Embiid is he's not healthy. He can't stay healthy. He can't win playoff games because he's not healthy. So, this is him taking steps, trying to be healthy for the playoffs, and now he's getting ridiculed for that. So it's like he's kind of in a situation where he kind of can't win. Um, and it's disappointing. You know, I'm sure there's no one more disappointed than him that he's not healthy, that he can't play. Um, and, and I think, too, Mike, when you look at the season, he's played harder than he ever has. He's talked about that. Like, he doesn't take – he hasn't taken any possessions off this year. He has the highest usage rate of it in the NBA. He's going to have, like – an historic usage rate by the time the season ends. Like he is playing as hard as he can every night he plays. And I think, unfortunately, this is what the result is, is that he's going to have these dings. He's going to have these injuries that are going to creep up. Um, And and I think we're at a point where, yeah, maybe the Sixers need to kind of take a step back and see where he is, because if he is not healthy, then nothing else really matters. Yeah, I know um, you're right about the hypocrisy part of this whole situation here. I guess the... The fact that the Denver thing happened, it doesn't help his case of the game being in Denver and he never plays in that game. That certainly well, adds to the yeah. illusion. It's an it, illusion's a good word because when you look at it, so he, the last time he played there was 2019. The, the previous two seasons, he didn't play in Denver either. Had nothing to do with Jokic. He was just hurt. Then you look at the, the, the season after 2019. He had missed 10 games with a knee injury. Denver just happened to be one of them. The next season, he missed nine games because of COVID. Denver just happened to be one of them. Even last year, it was a funky situation where they're on a long road trip. I think he dropped 46 against Golden State in a road game. Golden State had been on fire at that point. He dropped 46 on them, almost win. Did they lose? The next game he plays against Phoenix, he looks terrible. Uh, you know, Bismack Biombo is giving him the business. Like it was, he looked bad. And so then he sits out the, the game against. The Suns, like if you look at it contextual, like if you actually look at the context and the history of it, it's not crazy. And the other thing too, like I'll just add this. The guy is hurt. Like the guy gets hurt a lot. Like say whatever you want about Joel B. Great player. We, we can all agree on that. But we have all seen this in Philadelphia. He gets hurt a lot. It's not, there's nothing special about Denver or Jokic for him missing the games. He misses a lot of games. He is, he just has had trouble staying healthy. And that's, it's unfortunate that that's the case. Um, and maybe like the Denver and the, and the NBA world is getting a glimpse of what it's been like, you know, for the Sixers for the past seven years to, to, to see him miss 
so many games and be a late scratch so many times. That's happened a tons of times since I've covered. Well, and the other thing that's interesting, this like, all right, the bigger picture here is Embiid is if he's out with a legitimate injury, which I don't think uh, you're questioning. I'm not questioning that. Did the NBA intend for this rule to potentially mess with, even if it's not Embiid, but like down the road, like, Let's say you're legitimately hurt and you can't get first team all NBA. Like these guys contracts are tied to some of the, like I like the 65 game thing as much as everybody else when it comes out. And it's like that'll help with the load management. But now you're also saying legitimate injuries also will prevent you from being on these different, you know, MVP, all NBA, all that stuff. Well, I, I, if I'm being really blunt about it, like I think it's a sham, the 65 game thing, because the media already did this. Like the media already held, like Joel Embiid a couple years ago, that was the argument against them, right? Like Jokic played every game. Embiid only played like 60 something. Like that was the argument. That is why Jokic won an MVP over Joel Embiid already. So it's not like the media in their voting didn't already account for this. So to me, it just looks like it's like just, it's, it's like, it's silly. Like it's fake. It's not really like 65. And like you said, now this is going to mess with some guys' paychecks. And like, you're right. There might be some guys who, you know, could hit that bonus and they go for that when they're not a hundred percent. And like, and then it's too, like the other thing is, is the, the hypocrisy of the NBA is then you're scheduling a Jokic and bead game on the second half of a back-to-back for the Sixers. They've done a you're lot of that this year. They've done a lot of that ske- this year. And then the Bucks and the Celtics, you're scheduling that on the second half of a back-to-back for the Celtics, but not the Bucks. So the Bucks crush them. Like, you can't – like, the, the bigger issue to me is the schedule, the schedule making, the back-to-backs. Like, that's the bigger issue. Like, it's been proven. Like, I don't care what their data says. Like, it's been proven that, like, you need – a certain amount of time to recuperate from an NBA basketball game. I have to imagine that that is even more so when you're seven feet tall, 280 plus pounds, and you have an extensive injury history, back issues, foot issues, knee issues. Like, so to me, like, it's just, it's all kind of like, it it was just, it was like something the NBA just did to me to make it look like, oh, here's this, we're trying to stop load management. The, the, the awards, People that the media members that have award award votes already factored in games played. I think the sixty five game thing is, is silly. All right, uh, Paul Hunter, Liberty Ballers uh, team has struggled out here on the West Coast. I got bombed last night. That game was uh, not fun to watch. Uh, for those of you who stayed up, uh, Denver obviously they fought really hard, but come up short there. The Pacer game. Um, is there anything? I know Embiid's not there, and Maxi's not there, and Harris wasn't there, but. You're watching these games and anything like we talk about a team that has a lot of depth and that's what, you know, but is there, are you watching saying, eh, there's some concerning signs from these games or is it really hard to take with no one beat and of course no maxi? And I would add no D'Anthony Melton. Uh, I think if anything, this stretch is kind of showing you how important he is. Uh, Cause the one thing they're lacking, I just saw, you know, basketball reference posted a, a tweet that, They've posted like it was the fewest amount of three point attempts or three point makes over a five game span since like forever. Um, they were brutal D'Anthony last Mel- night. Yeah, D'Anthony Mel- and it was brutal against De- if they hit some threes against Denver, they probably win that game. Um, but you look at Melton, he takes a ton of threes and he makes forty percent. Like it's a big deal. And then you take Maxi out of the equation, who again takes a ton, makes a ton. They're t- that's like sixteen attempted threes with two guys who hit forty percent out of your lineup 
That's huge. Um, like Batum's really is really good, accurate shooter. He just is not a volume guy. Um, Ubre's shot has really come back down to earth. Uh, same, you know, Beverly after he kind of got hot, he's kind of cooled down a little bit from three as well. So they just, I, I to me, like what it, it, if you're going to take anything from all of this from this recent stretch? Yeah, I, I think the injuries are are a huge part of it. That's like I think they're losing games just because they're so banged up and shorthanded. Um, and that six game winning streak, it almost makes it look more impressive that they were able to do that while they were short, so shorthanded. But this to me shows they need a shooter. Um, people talk about ball handlers. People talk about backup. They need shooting. They need at least one more guy who is a high volume, accurate three point shooter. I don't know who that is. I don't know where they come from. But that, to me, that is the biggest need if I'm looking at the Sixers right yeah, now. Yeah, I know Lowry, Kyle Lowry's name out there. Did that push your pile at all? Yeah, for as a backup point guard, sure. Uh, you know, again, and you're giving up nothing to get him, right? He's a buyout if he's a buyout guy because you're not going to trade for him. Um, there's no trade that really realistically makes sense for the Sixers to to do that. Um, but if he's a buyout and you can get him for nothing, yeah, uh, having him, having a guy like him and a guy like Pat Bev off your bench, uh, it, it's 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 important. Like it's important to have tough. Playoff tested, smart basketball players come off your bench. Lowry, you know, he's not the guy he was. He's not an all star player. You don't anticipate him being that. But he had some pretty big moments for the Heat last year in the playoffs, coming off the bench, kind of being that spark, that energy, you know, score off the bench. Um, and when he's not that, when he's when his shot isn't falling or he's not creating offense, he still, again, is he's going to play really hard on defense. He's going to push the other guys on the team and he's going to make the right decision. So uh, to me, there will be zero downside to signing a guy like Kyle Allen. All right. Uh, by the way, trade deadline, February the 8th. So we're closing in on that just about uh, a week or so away, a little over a week away before we know it'll be here. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, he's Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers. And uh, the Sixers play again tonight. Late night, Golden State. We'll see if Embiid plays. No update quite there yet that I've seen anyway. I know uh, there was something about a little while ago that, uh, that he had – been questionable but not in or out uh but warriors tonight and then they have a couple days off or not actually they play the jazz thursday and then they come home yeah. on saturday against ben simmons and the nets almost a triple dub for ben last night he looked good he looked good he did he looked good it's good to see I, i'm at a point mike like good for him like i i he's done with enough he's you know he's been hurt good for him but uh, it's good to see him healthy and, and playing well at paul hudrick everybody thanks paul you got him, Mike. All right, there's Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers, Sixers, and, of course, the Warriors. You can only hear it on 97.3 ESPN. By the way, football at 4, Adam Kaplan at 4.30 today. It will be football at 4.30. Adam Kaplan has to move to 4.30 today. So we'll do Adam at 4.30. Uh, we had a lot of sound from yesterday we never got to that we can kind of throw in for sound of the day. We'll flip that to four. So Adam at 4.30, sound of the day at four. Uh, and a lot more coming up, five o'clock tonight. Uh, we've got Grayson's grades of the coordinator hires at 5.30. More Sports Bash coming up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 3.52. Don't forget, football at 4 is at 4.30 today. Adam Kaplan is in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, so we'll talk to him from Mobile, Alabama at 4.30 for today's football at 4. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Some... Text messages coming in. We asked earlier today, the Super Bowl is next Sunday. Not including the Super Bowl. What's the next biggest sporting event that you are excited about? After the Super Bowl is over, what is the next big sporting event that you are looking forward to? A lot of text messages uh, coming in on that. Masters, Mike from Kate May. Um... Croce says, not even remotely interested in the Super Bowl at all. The Eagles season turned out the last couple of weeks killed football for me. Flyers postseason, Sixers postseason. If it shakes out good for the Flyers, we have playoff games almost every day between Sixers and Flyers. This is the Sixers year, dot, dot, dot again. That's a good point by Croce. If you get Sixers Flyers both in the playoffs, you could get a week or so of every night playoff games that would add to the we haven't had that in a while that would be fun too that would be something that not just we haven't seen for a while but we haven't seen outside of covid remember the flyers and sixers were in the bubble that one year that's not the same as like a regular playoff round yeah like um the flyers were the one seed the one year in the bubble yeah that was 2019 they haven't made the playoffs since but like you know that was different when it was in the bubble it's like you want to see them in like you know with real fans in the stands and everything uh just because Fangio was hired doesn't mean how he's now going to get players uh I disagree what what be <laughs> I didn't say it's definitive I just gave you my opinion I think Fangio being hired and a more veteran staff to me I'm not saying this is definitively going to happen I'm just saying I think it's going to happen your text says just because Fangio was hired doesn't mean how he's now going to go get players. I don't know if he will or not. I'm giving you my opinion. I think Howie will go out and get more talent. I think he saw Bradbury aging, Slay aging, linebackers not good enough, um, need more talent. And I'm basing that off of what happened to them two years ago in the playoffs down in Tampa. They didn't have good enough talent. Roseman saw it. They didn't have good enough talent. They went out and got Hassan Reddick. They went out and got James Bradbury. They went out and got Johnson Gardner Johnson. They went out and got Kaiser White. They saw they didn't have enough talent. You watch that team last year. They didn't have enough talent on defense. They got older players. He knows it. I don't know that he will do that. It's just how I think it's going to happen. I could be completely wrong. Maybe Howie sits on his hands the entire offseason and says we're good enough. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, what else? Mike Ben Simmons almost getting a triple double is the most worthless piece of information that there ever was. He had 18 minutes last night and almost had a triple double. Well, I didn't say it was worthful or worthless. I just mentioned it. I didn't say it was good, bad, or indifferent. Do what you want with it. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live. From the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. I don't think he takes a job if he's not like Howie. We need better backers. Like, I think that conversation happened. And you need safeties that can kind of do both, right? Because of the binds you get put in the run game because you are playing with lighter boxes. Chris Long on the Greenlight Podcast says, Vic Fangio's not taking this job if you don't get me better backers, if you don't get me more talent. I don't even think he had to be told. 
I think Howie Roseman hired him and told him. He said something in the final press conference of the year, right, Roseman, which um, kind of stood out to me. I, I Look, people, Roseman's one of them guys, you either like him, you don't like him, or you hated him, and now you're kind of like moved and changed, and now you're going back on him. Like, I knew I was wrong about that guy. But he said something in the last press conference of the year that, you know, insinuated, like, I need to do my job. Like, I need to do a better job. You know, he basically kind of admitted that there was a lot of things that they tried to do off season to keep their priorities intact about how to build the team. And he said, I respect, uh, I accept responsibility for whatever we've got to do to make sure that when the season falls short of not playing, I am responsible for that. And like he, he mentioned about that it's up to him now. Like there were some things that did not go well. He owned it and said, I have to do better. I have to do better. And what Chris Long says there, like Fangio is not taking the job of Howie does. Like I think Howie, I don't think <laughs> Howie had to sell him on that. I, I think Howie said, listen, I watched that same team that you watched, and we have to get better. Um, so I have no doubt. I mean, the text message that we got last hour that says, you know, just like I got to go back and find it. Um, that, oh, just because Fangio was hired doesn't mean Howie is now going to get players. If anything, you should put more emphasis on getting better players when you have a less experienced defensive coordinator. See, this is where that comment is completely out of whack. I mean, the team went to the Super Bowl the year before. They thought they had the players. Now, they let a lot of players go, but I think they felt they had the foundation with the two corners and the defensive line. As we know... This team does not put a huge emphasis on linebackers and safeties, but I think they thought they had better corners than than what they got this year. And then injuries happened. And then, you know, the safety spot, you had a revolving door there. So I think you're way off base on this. Like, it's like not even the same stratosphere of how I'm thinking about this. But I don't know. We could be sitting here after the draft and saying, how are they going back into this season with the same linebackers and the same corners and the same safeties. I would bet a whole heck of a lot of money that that's not going to happen, but I guess you could be right. I just don't think so. Um, he goes on to say, if you, if anything, you get a veteran DC because the young defensive coordinator wasn't getting enough out of what's in the building. I can agree with that part of it, but the veteran defensive coordinator also doesn't want to babysit and teach. He wants to have guys. Give me talent. You know, it's not to say he can't teach, but he doesn't want to say, give me Ringo and Ricks and uh, a whole bunch of guys who are undrafted rookie free agents and seventh-round picks, and I'll go to war with them. Nah, he wants to come in and be told or no, listen, I'm going to make a trade. I'll go get a guy to play corner. we got to use Slay for another year, figure out what to do with Bradbury. If I can get rid of him, I will. But if you want to move him to safety, have a blast. If you want to move him down in the nickel, do it. I mean, I think Maddox is going to be gone. I think there'll be a conversation. 
Do you want to bring Bayard back? Vic, is he a guy that you think fits what you do? Uh, so I don't know what Fangio thinks about that. Is Blankenship a guy that you want to work with? I would imagine he says, no, we need an upgrade there. Uh, but Blankenship can have a role on my team. He can be my third safety. I think Dean is around. I don't know what's going to happen with the other linebacker spot. I mean, do they go out in free agency and bring a guy in? Do they target a guy in the draft? Um, so I totally disagree with that uh, text message, although I do appreciate the text message. I want to bring up the fact that the, Howie Roseman has a history of bringing in players based on who the coordinator is. Remember with Jim Schwartz, he brought in Nigel Bradham and Ronald Darby, just name a couple guys, with Jonathan Gannon. They tried Anthony Harris, right? You know, they have a history. There's more guys than that, but the point is that, oh, uh, Eric Wilson, the linebacker that failed. But the point is, Howie has shown the history of, look, I understand this defensive coordinator is going to want some of his guys, some of his people, players that he's going to want to work with. So I'm going to go out and get him those guys. Now, whether those guys work out or not, you know, for every Eric Wilson and Leotis McKelvin, you do get a Nigel Bradham. Listen, you you don't hit on 100% of the things. You're just hoping that you can at least identify where you had issues and try to find someone to replace them. Now, last year... I think they got a little too, you know, they almost followed the blueprint from the Super Bowl team in yep. 17, where they had a bunch of guys who had been hurt and, like, kind of been cast-offs, and then they went out and brought them in here. Chris Long, um, Patrick Robinson, LeGarrette Blunt. Like, they went and got some guys on these one-year deals, and they hit on every single one, almost. I mean, like, it's just like they hit on every guy. And I think last year they tried to duplicate that. Like, oh, we'll go get Terrell Edmonds. Like, he's a guy who's played in this league. He has some talent. Maybe we can get the mo- more out of him. Uh, let's go get Justin Evans. He's a guy who's played in the league. And, you know, he's a talented guy. He just had some injury problems. Maybe he, he will be better here. You know, that kind of stuff where I think they tried to patchwork some of the areas because we have the, like, you went into the year thinking our corners are a strength. Our defensive line's a strength. Well, it turned out your corners were not and didn't ended up not being a strength. And your defensive line took a step back. So, yeah, now your linebackers and safeties, which were meh to begin with, they get more exposed as to, well, they're not good enough either. So, I don't know. I don't know how you come to the... How you come to terms with this team is going to look at this defense and keep it the same. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we just have a different mindset on on what kind of <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I is peyote going around this area? I mean, is people <laughs> having hallucinations? I mean, is there anybody else out there that thinks the Eagles are going to stay status quo on defense? I just don't see it, man. I'm sorry. I appreciate the text, but whoo. That one's out there. That one's out there. I can't. I can't rock with that guy. I. I just. I know Howie's history. You know. You. you I mean, Howie's probably chomping at the bit to be aggressive in free agency. Like he wants to be a player in free agency. He this loves like, this stuff. Yeah. This is like, hey, I get to go out there and re like get my name back on the. Like, wow, Howie did it again. Like, I mean, Howie is so pining at the at the bit. The Eagles signed Noah Togia to a futures contract earlier today. Well, it's like Roseman is in that spot where people want to start saying, see, he, he's not as good as everybody. And then he's going to 
bang, do something. You're like, there you go. He makes that there trade. He How did he pull Rose, that man. one off? And yeah, I, I appreciate the text message. Love it, man. Love the back and forth, but I think that one's way off base. So what else we got? Mike, I also wanted to play you one of the other bites from Chris Long on the Fangio pod because I thought it was very interesting because him and Kyle had like a 10-minute conversation, basically, for those who didn't hear it on the Greenlight pod about Fangio and the Eagles because for those who don't know, Kyle played in Chicago when Fangio was there. So Kyle was kind of like feeding into Chris's conversation about Vic Fangio, and Chris Long explained why Vic Fangio's defense works. So this is a this is a defensive guy explaining why this defense works for Philly fans. Why I think he works out in the past game. Uh, it's all about eliminating big plays, right? Like that's what his defense is all about. It's too high structure stuff, and it's pre snap. You're not going to know where they're going to be. He plays a lot of cover six, but like the point is for a quarterback, those half field structures, the pre-snap movement, like it really does muddy things up. And when you look around the league at the best quarterbacks, they're really f- aggressive. And this scheme has given the best quarterbacks trouble. That's the reason that you're seeing a bunch of his disciples like kind of take the league by storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen. We've seen this defense. I think Eagle fans know what the defense is, and what I think it's- they need to be reminded though. Oh, I don't think they want to be reminded. I think you're bringing up bad memories. The Eagle fans don't like this style of defense. Why? They don't blitz. They sit back. They let people catch the ball. We've talked about it over the years. This defense doesn't want to let up big plays. They don't want to give up the plays over the top. We'll let you catch the ball in front of us, and we'll make you take long drives down the field, and it's going to give up a lot of yards. That's what the defense is. Like, I think Eagle fans are well aware of what this defense is. The question is, are you getting someone who created the defense and has more knowledge of the defense and what he wants from it than some of the other guys who were running a version of his defense? Now, better talent will help with all that. It will. And by the way, that's what Kyle Long was saying about why Fangio is an upgrade over it. By the way, Kyle Long had Sean Desai in Chicago, too, so... I know Kyle's not trying to throw Sean Desai under the bus, but he basically says, look, man, this Fangio guy, this is why he's an upgrader with Desai. I think it's going to be fun to watch, and I think the interesting thing is Sean Desai is out, and he's a disciple of Fangio. Couldn't replicate the Don himself, Vic Fangio. Yeah, they're going to bring him. Only one Don. I think that the guys in Philly will respond well to him because, as we know, like with Harbaugh, the well-respected coach coming in, winning a locker room over, it's the same kind of deal in that defensive room. I've never been in a defensive room, but I've spoken to guys who play for Vic, and they love him. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm okay. I don't love the defensive style. It's not my, like, preference, but I'm okay with saying we're going to run the style with the guy who's the best at it. You you tell me you gave me the third best guy? All right, well, I'm not as excited. Desai, I don't even know if he's the third best guy. I mean... He might be, like, the tenth best. He he was on the staff in... Um, for just people like Desai, 
took over for Fangio when Fangio left to go to Denver as the head coach. Desai became the defensive coordinator in well, not, Chicago. Not immediately. When Fangio left, then they hired Chuck Pagano. And then when they pushed out Pagano, then Desai became the Right, but I'm saying he was on the Fangio staff He was on the Fangio staff for years. And once Fangio left Chicago, he eventually took over the defensive coordinator job there for a year. Then he went to Seattle. So he didn't have a lot of experience as a defensive play caller. And that was one of the reports that came out when, you know, people said he was a smart guy. He wasn't a very confident guy. So I don't know. I mean, you have these guys who are smart guys and they're nervous guys. And I don't, but listen, I think the Fangio thing for me, and um, I think this is a two prong thing. You got a better coach better assistance like for him you know you got you're getting more veteran um position coaches and with that will come i think more aggression this off season to get more talent on that side of the ball you mentioned the veteran coaches do you for you mike do you feel like looking at who they've hired so far is a sign that you know, they didn't just bring in a veteran coach. They're not just bringing in a other veteran coach. That this is going to be the kind of coaching staff that Nick Sirianni really needs around him. Yeah, I think they definitely, like, look, I think Colin Thompson, um, no, it was McMullen, brought it up in the 3 o'clock hour. It's like the baseball manager. You bring in the manager who's the player's guy. That doesn't work. You fire him. You bring in the tough guy until that flames out. Then you go back to the player's manager. This was a situation of the Eagles went with younger, unproven coaching staff. And now they're going the opposite direction. Okay, we had young guys in here who were trying to prove themselves. Well, that didn't work out. Let's go get guys who have had some track record in this league. Let's go out and get guys who have been defensive coordinators. Let's go out and get guys who have a little bit of, uh, you know, experience coaching in this league. So, yeah, I, I definitely think the Eagles thought internally that they didn't get enough from their staff. And the result is you have a more veteran staff. Now, it's funny. In a league that is always looking for the next young guy, the next, you know, innovative idea, all that stuff. The Eagles are saying, no, you want, we want to stick with like, you know, some of the older guys. We want to go and, and kind of get more veteran players in here. Um, there was, uh, Adam Schefter was talking about, um, I think he was on the McAfee show and they asked him why like a guy like Steve Spagnuolo doesn't get any interest as a head coach. And he said, well, you know, these teams around the league, Steve's like 65 years old. They went new, fresh ideas. Steve has been a head coach in the league. He's a guy who's, uh, you know. Fresh ideas. Oh, sorry. I mean, yeah, he went new, fresh ideas. That's what Schefter said, not me. <laughs> they want guys like Spagnuolo was the coach of the Rams when they were still in St. Louis. Correct. So you're going back a ways so he has had his chance to be a head coach in this league, and now he's kind of past that phase of the head coach, and now he's the veteran, grizzled, you know, but he said these teams in this league are always looking for that new young guy, and that's why a guy like Steve Spagnola doesn't get that opportunity to be the head coach, even though right now he's on a run with this, with the way this defense has played. Could it also be with a guy like Spagnola? Maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach. 
Maybe he says, I already did that. I'm happy with what I'm doing now. Like maybe he got that, you know, that, that yearning out of his system. You know, maybe he tells his agent, look, man, if anybody calls, I'm not interested. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, if I think if somebody called and asked to be the head coach, a head coach, I think he would listen, but I think he understands. I'm at this point in my career where that's not probably going to happen for me again. Um, wasn't he the head coach with the Giants too? I know he went back to be coordinator with the Giants for a hot minute, but I don't think he was the head coach. Or my, or my have been interim. Let me double check. I don't um, think he was the head. But I think he's understood. I had my chance to be a head coach. Didn't go well. And I'm perfectly fine. Like, you hit a certain point in your life where the camaraderie of the people you're with means more than I've already been a head coach. I've had the control. I've done that. Now, me and Andy, we're doing this together. And I'm perfectly cool Riding out my career, being on a good team with a guy that I just love coaching with. When they fired Coughlin, he was the interim coach that finished the year, but he was not retained. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I mean, I know he had been a head coach with the Rams, right? St. Louis. Yeah. He was with the Rams from 2009 to 2011, got fired, and then he was defense coordinator for the Saints, secondary coach for the Ravens, defense coordinator for the Giants, and ID coordinator for the uh, Chiefs. All right. So, um, yeah. So... The whole, it's an interesting dynamic. These teams all want the younger guy with new ideas to be the head coach. And the Eagles are going the other direction right now. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, anyway, they're going with Vic Fangio, a, a guy much like Steve Spagnuolo. But, you know, look around the league, you know. Um, heck, the Rams went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with Wade Phillips. I mean, the guy was almost 80 <laughs> coaching that team's defense. Listen, you know, some guys are just really good at something. And maybe that's who Spagnuolo is, what Fangio is. They're just... They're really good at this coordinator gig, you know, and it's no offense to a guy like Eric Bieniemy, but, you know, maybe he'll never be a head coach and maybe he's just a really good coordinator. But it's hard for a guy Bieniemy's age to maybe accept that versus a guy like Spagnola and Fangio who are much closer to the end of the beginning. Yeah, Um we'll see how this plays out. I think uh, free agency starts in like a month or so, a little over a month. Yeah, and I would anticipate the Eagles are um, aggressive in in on the defensive side of the ball pretty soon. Similar to what they did two years ago, went right out and got Reddick. I think on the first day of free agency. Yeah, it was in the first twenty four hours of free agency. They went out and got him, and we were all like, "Whoa, look at the look the Eagles did!" And that was the the big move they did for a while before they went out and got AJ Brown. The Brown was on draft night, right? Yeah. So they also almost, got it, Bradbury was later on in the game. Yep. And they made it, a trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That August. was in training camp. Yeah. yeah. Well, was, they also, I remember it was March 24th, 5th, somewhere around there, because I was in Clearwater when they got Kaiser White. Right. They signed him to that one-year deal. Right. Um, uh, they added, um, anybody else they add on the defensive side of the ball? They added. They had, they had added Hargrave a couple years earlier, so it wasn't mm-hmm. him. Nope. Um, I'm trying to think. Now I want to give. Uh, Cole says I never said stay status quo. I just said it makes no sense. It's just because you got a good defensive coordinator is why you need talent. You need a talent no matter the de- defensive coordinator, even if Desai stayed. I agree with that, but I think Fangio has a little bit more authoritative of a voice. To go and get players 
that he can be a little bit more, I like this guy, I want that guy, I need that guy. I don't think Desai has that swing. I don't think that's the – that's my point is when you get Fangio, you make the commitment that you're going to get his players for him. Desai doesn't have that same machismo coming in there and saying – you see what I'm saying? Like, you're again, you're not going to say status quo – and say, well, decides the guy, we're going to sit with the same exact players. I just don't think he has the voice and the stature that Desai has to say, you know what? We're going to target the fourth best linebacker in free agency. I think Fangio says, no, no, no. We're going to get this guy. <laughs> this is the guy I need. Don't give me some second rate guy and say, you gave me a linebacker. I want this one. A buddy of mine said the Eagles need to stop shopping at the discount rack. They need to go up up a level. Yeah, I mean, but that's what they did last year. Right. They went out and said, Sean decides here, eh, we'll get you Justin Evans. We'll get you Terrell Edmonds. We'll get you, um, you know, uh, Zach Cunningham. Now, Vic Fangio is saying, I don't want Justin Evans. I don't want Terrell Edmonds. I want the best guy on the board. Listen, so it's yeah. a difference of – one year you went out and got Chauncey Gardner Johnson, James Bradbury, and Hassan Reddick, and last year you got Terrell Edmonds and Justin Evans. Which one worked out better? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Listen, sometimes you just got to admit that you know buying what is the least expensive is not going to give you the best value. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I like, in my opinion, you make the commitment to Fangio. You make a commitment to targeting the best guys you can find. Not, hey, we need a corner. I'll go look for a corner. Eh. Fangio's voice is a little bit more authoritative than Desai is. And I think the offseason will be an aggressive one because of that. And that doesn't mean it wouldn't have been under Sean Desai. Maybe it would have been. I feel a lot more confident now that these moves suggest on defense. Offense, I don't think you're going to see a whole heck of a lot. I'd be pretty shocked if you see a lot of changes to that offense. I think they're just saying... We love our offense. We just need somebody a little different, fresh coat of paint over there. Defense, I think you're going to see big moves on that side of the ball. Uh, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. I was telling you the other day, and you've been hearing the promo run, uh, there was a fire over at the Goodwill store in Egg Harbor Township, and they are looking for items to restock the venue over there. Well, we are giving our listeners a chance to help out, and I really hope, if you are a listener to the show, that you can help me help them out. We are looking for items, and you can listen to the promo and go to the website, that we will bring to the Goodwill store for you. We have the ESPN van out in the parking lot. I'm bringing trash bags worth of stuff myself. I mean, I have a bunch of clothes and household items that I am donating to this cause and I am asking you guys out there to do the same. So you can stop by the 97.3 ESPN studios at 950 Chilton Road and put them in the ESPN van and we'll deliver them for you. You can just say, hey, guys, thanks for what you're doing. I want to help out. Here's my bag. Here's my donation. And we'll bring them over there and we will be collecting items. I'm telling you, um, I'm putting together a bunch of stuff. So that if you guys don't want to help me out, I will do it myself. But I am inviting you to be a part of this with me and help out. So all you need to do, bring what you got. You know the deal. Gently use hats, scarves, toys, furniture, anything. I mean, you know what the Goodwill store has. They literally lost everything. And there's a lot of people in the community 
that depend on going to places like that. And we can help out. If our listeners can help out, that's what we're going to do. So this week, as we lead into the Super Bowl, let's make their Super Bowl Sunday a Super Bowl for them to restock the Goodwill store at the Cardiff Circle in EHT. 97. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I give my heart and soul to this franchise as so many of us do. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Adam Kaplan is in Mobile today, so the Senior Bowl. He's co-host of the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on any podcasting platform or on their YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. It's actually football at 4.30 today. So we've uh, switched a couple things around. But Adam is here to talk a little birds, some football, the draft down in Mobile. The prospects are there. Adam Kaplan, what's up, buddy? Michael, good to talk to you. Yeah, this is uh, this is my 23rd Senior Bowl. And uh, my first Senior Bowl, the great Brian Westbrook was here out of Villanova. Wow. And here's the craziest thing is I'm driving, driving. I flew with someone in scouting who you know, is long gone from the Eagles and was with the Eagles then. And we, we talked about how Andy Reid was infatuated with what Michael, I mean, excuse me, what Brian Westbrook could do in their offense. And little did they know that Westbrook, who really did well this week in, in 2002 and during the three practices, Little did we know that he'd become an eagle, but uh, really an amazing story. And uh, also in that that class was Josh McCown, of course, a former eagle quarterback at one time. And also Javon Walker, for those of you who really follow the league. So, yeah, um, this is where they say the draft gets started in Mobile. And by the way, the Eagles have a history of drafting players from Mobile or out of of the Senior Bowl. Um, Some of them success, some of them not. Obviously, Lane Johnson was one of the best. Obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Broderick Bunkley, you might remember Broderick Bunkley, who was the first round of, uh, out of Florida State, who had a great week here. Unfortunately, he was just kind of mediocre for the Eagles. And that's the one thing, Mike, that you want to be careful with. You don't want to overrate the three practices. There's no tackling at all. Um, there, all zone coverage, there's no there's no man-to-man defense other than there's on one-on-one. So you got to be careful what you see and not overrate all of it. Yeah, I know, um, you know, they got the coordinators in play here now. So Vic Fangio official and Kellen yep. Moore official. You got draft season here. And it'll be interesting to see um, with these new coordinators. I, I would imagine the defensive side of the ball is going to have a similar mindset in terms of the scheme. Um, Kellen Moore, how does that change things? On the offensive side, yeah, Mike, we have not been haven't been here uh, to talk to you about uh, Kellen Moore yet. So, interesting addition. Of course, they know them um, f- from him being with Dallas for so many years as a player and then a coach. But this scheme is different. Uh, t- we're going to have more of this on our, our show tomorrow. We're going to we're Jeff Mosher and I. Jeff will be here tonight. We're going to we're going to do a show together here. But I'll give you a little of a, sort of like a Cliff Notes version. 
Kellen Moore is a guy that highly respected. He runs a spread offense. Um, talking to coaching people in coaching who've worked with him. He runs what we call an attack-style offense. It's rare. You usually hear that about defense, Mike, but it's really offensively he's they're going to be very aggressive. The vertical pass game is a big part of uh, what he does. You know, the Eagles did not do it as well as they did the year before. So that'll be a big part of it. The tight ends are a big part of it. So this is a really good scheme he runs. Uh, there's no question about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing the differences. And, and you're going to see them – not only A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but whoever their third receiver is going to be. And right now, Mike, they only have three receivers under contract for next season, A.J. Brown, Smith, and Britton Covey. Britton Covey is really just their punt returner. But that third receiver typically has value in, in Kellen Moore's offense because he runs a ton of what we call 11 personnel. Three receivers, one tight end, and one running back. And also running backs have done well, particularly Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard got that, that franchise tag on him because he had a great season in 22 with Kellen Moore. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, because you look at the Eagles offense. Yes, I think we all look at the third receiver on this team needs an upgrade. But if you look at Smith, Brown, Goddard, does one of those guys, um, excite you more in this, in this new, uh, you know, potentially new scheme? I guess it's going to be interesting to see how they, what was, uh, Sirianni saying? It's not his offense or my offense. It's going to be our offense. How are they going to mesh those together? But, uh, yeah, and it's funny. It was, it was Nick's offense before. Now that Nick knows that he had to change things up, it's now an Eagles offense. So yeah, I would say this is a good question. I'd say Dallas Goddard will benefit because he is not Mike. We know how talented he is, but he hasn't had that monster season yet. I'm not saying a hundred catches, but if he could play, I mean, if he could play 15 games, why can't he not have 75 to 80 catches, if not more? I mean, he should be able to get five catches a game. I don't see I don't see why he can't do that. It's not just injuries. For some reason, he's not gotten the ball as much as he should. Particularly last year, when when you look at it, the, the, the lack of use of the third receiver, and he still wasn't getting the ball. So I would think overall, uh, th- this will benefit. No, that's a, that's a good thought. And look, you could be fooled sometimes what you see in training camp by stuff and or in OTAs, but I'm I'm still looking forward to seeing what more does. Uh, in their off-season program because his offense, and you, you've seen it with Dalton Schultz uh, two, a couple years ago, who signed a free agent deal with the Texans, but in 22 he did very well with Kellen Moore. And I, I definitely see Goddard doing well in this scheme. Yeah, we're talking with Adam Kaplan, who is in uh, Mobile, Alabama, for uh, this year's Senior Bowl. Uh, you look at the defensive side of the ball and Fangio here. You know, I had said before, you know, all right, you get Fangio. They've now hired some more veteran um position mm-hmm. coaches around him. You know, okay, this is them saying, all right, we, we need to get a little bit more veteran names on that side of the ball. But you're at the draft uh, process now. Is this a, a fait accompli to you that they target defense? They got three picks in the top 60. Have to, Mike. I mean, they, they don't have a choice. I mean, the, the offense, I mean, I'm not worried about DeAndre Swift. Good player. He's a free agent. I'm sure they like to have him back, but money's always the issue. But the offense is not the problem. It's the defense. It's hard It's hard to win when you're not good enough. And they were not good enough on the back end. And everybody knows it. Two alders corners, both under contract. Bradbury should have been benched. He was not. Safety needs to be better than that, what it was last season. It was the Bayard thing. I know people were on him, you know, what happened. I, I When you make a trade for a player at the trade deadline, and then very soon after you change your scheme, so think about it. He, had a, he just was with the Titans. He had to forget that scheme. He had to learn the new scheme that Sean Asai was running, and then 
the side gets reassigned, and he has to learn what Matt Patricia wanted to do. Think about how tough that must have been for him, smart as he is and as much as a veteran as he is. Things are going to have to change in the back end. Howie Roseman, the GM, has a lot of uh, – he's got a big challenge on his hands. And this secondary should look a lot different uh, going into next season. Were you uh, – this all kind of happened uh, last week, you know, right? Uh, right? You know, they had that uh, whole press conference and – um, then the report came out in the middle of the press conference, and then he was named over the weekend here. Um, so we knew Fangio, but uh, when they hired, what was it, Saturday night, I guess, when they hired Kellen Moore, was that a name that kind of just popped in and that they acted on pretty quickly? Were you surprised that it kind of materialized that fast? No, actually, I know they talked to him, and it was really Cliff Kingsbury and, and, and Kellen Moore were the, were the two. Um, but Kellen Moore is just better with pro concepts. And I just, it was the timing to have it happen Saturday night was odd, but as we, we noted on uh, when we did our last show, there were two or three other teams involved to get, who were interested in Kellen Moore. And you got to give the Eagles credit, Sirianni and Roseman, to, to act on this very quickly, that they identified he's their guy, they, they, they know what he brings in, and it's really good for the pass target group because Moore has a history of putting up big numbers as an offense coordinator, and he probably would have with the Chargers had they not been so beat up physically. You know, they lost Mike Williams in week three at the at the Vikings. That that hurt them because he they had big plans for him. So I look forward to seeing what this thing's going to look like. I I'd be very optimistic. If I'm an Eagles fan, I I'm loving that Kellen Moore's added. Fangio's one of the best in the last twenty years, twenty five years really. In fact, if you go back, he, he did an unbelievable job. People don't even know this who are too too young, but he was a defensive coordinator for the expansion Panthers who shocked. Remember the late great Sam Mills and yeah. Uh, Kevin Green, who's unfortunately passed away, and Lamar Lathan, who came out of nowhere. The, everyone thought they had no chance to compete, and that was Vic Fangio. Most people don't know that. He was their, he was their defense coordinator for that incredible run. He's pretty much been good everywhere he's been. But I warn people, we're talking about, well, you know, if you don't have any, how do you do without pro bowlers? No, I think if you really get the information correct, he's made pro bowlers. He's actually got guys to play at a pro bowl level. It's not the other way around. So I, I think we, I think sometimes we overrate stuff. Guy's really good, but look, it's hard to win when you're not good enough on the back end. In this scheme to, to work because they don't blitz much, you have to have better talent at corner, and they've got to get younger there as well. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't know about you, Adam. I, I'll throw it your way. Um, you know, this hire, you get him and the staff that you're bringing in here. I think this. Could be a signal similar to two years ago. They went out, and got Reddick. They went out, and got Bradbury. They traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They brought in Kaiser White. Like, all right, we tried to go on the cheap last year with Evans and Edmonds, and uh, <laughs> you know, I think we 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 bring in Fangio. It's time that we we. I think they're aggressive in free agency on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think, and, and Howie. One of the things he does really well is he will listen to his coaches. He hears them in their in their in their meetings in the spring, and right after the season's over. In this case, he's now he's Fangio in there. Now he's really got to push things forward here and figure out what Vic thinks he needs. And talking to coaches have worked for the Eagles. No, Howie will listen. He he does the best he can. Now, when and I say Fangio that, has a more authoritative voice than Desai. I would he does. imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. But but again, Howie will Howie will try to do the best he can. Now the, the only thing is they have a belief at linebacker that they're not they typically don't spend. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall with what Fangio <laughs> thinks about their linebackers. Yeah. I'm just telling you. We'll um, have to see. What are you looking at? And uh, what are some of your uh, in your mental assignments you're giving yourself down in Mobile? One of the things I do, because I cover the entire league, not just one team, is that I look at the quarterbacks. 
And that's the first thing to look at. And I, I've, look, I've seen him here. I've seen Carson Palmer here when he didn't really need to be in Mobile, but he did in 2003. Philip Rivers. Um, I was not here the year Donovan McNabb was, I, I was not at Senior Bowl here when McNabb was here, but I was looking at the quarterback position. And, and the best guy so far in day one was um, Michael Pratt, who's a Tulane quarterback. He's really talented. I, I was saying to someone in scouting, why is this guy not a first-round pick? I watched a lot of him uh, on CBS Sports Network because they were on like every Saturday, it seemed. Kid's pretty gifted. I, they play in Temple's conference, I think. Yep. Uh, the American East. So I don't know why that people aren't talking about Pratt, but this is what the senior ball does, Mike. It gives guys a chance sometimes who are not, who are not nationally known. And it, it, it puts him on the spotlight for the media and obviously in scouting, um, just to, just to make sure that he's going against the best senior players. And I get it; it's only a couple of days of practice, but and today was the first day of practice. By the way, there was back to back practices at uh, Hancock Whitney Stadium at University of South Alabama. Practice kid, if you're in the scouting, and I know a lot of people listen like the scouting process. He's a kid you're going to hear me talk a lot about and others as well. I'm sure our, our man Tacheco will will be talking about him going forward. Uh, Adam Kaplan, Football at Four, everybody. The Inside the Birds podcast. They're recording one tonight. It'll drop tomorrow with Jeff Mosher and this man, Adam Kaplan. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Adam Kaplan, co-host of the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on any podcasting platform. Or on their YouTube channel, just search Inside the Birds. Football at 4 is brought to you by Bet365, whatever the moment, whatever the moment, whatever the sport, it's never ordinary at Bet365. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, 10 quarterbacks who never won the Super Bowl who are the best of that list? We'll go through that, plus Scott Grayson at 5.30 with Grayson's grades of the new coordinators. We have the perfect... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Text board is open at 609-403-0973. We asked you earlier on our Facebook page. The Super Bowl is the next big sporting event, but not counting the Super Bowl. After that, what is the sporting event you are most looking forward to now that football season, like football to most of us is over. We're like done, right? Super Bowl is a game like it's not even anybody's favorite game generally. It's an event. It's an event. So what's the next sports event that you are kind of looking forward to now that the football season is in the book? So football season's in the books. What's next? Al says the NFL draft. Jeff gives me March Madness. He says he's already booked two vacation days and has a room reserved at the Borgata to watch the games. Uh, Stacy says... The Masters all day. Andrew says if Embiid can at least average close to what he does in the regular season and stay healthy, then you can look forward to the NBA playoffs. Let's hope there, Andrew. Let's hope. Ray, he says Philly spring training, opening day. That's next. 
NBA and NHL playoffs soon after. So he's going Phillies as the next kind of big sporting event, spring training, kind of wrap that all in. Zach says, March Madness, best few days in sports. And remember, you can listen to all the madness right here on 97.3 ESPN. Rick chimes in. He says, opening day in the NFL draft. Um, yes, uh, you know, we talked about the NFL draft. I'd rather see the draft on Saturday, Sunday, like it used to be, than the Thursday night, but I digress. Uh, Fred chimes in. He says the Daytona 500. Brad says the NFL draft. Uh, Wanda checks in and says she's interested in March Madness next. So what is the big event, sporting event that you are looking forward to? Moving forward here, we got some more text messages, uh, coming in here at 609-403-0973. Looking forward to March Madness, baby. Yes, so am I. I, I might think March Madness, um, could be the next one on my list. It's certainly the biggest of all the ones that have been mentioned. Like, no offense to Philly spring training, but that's more of like a, uh, a start date than an actual event. And like, March Madness is like an all-in-encompass. These are people's lives. Like everywhere you go, people are watching the game on their phone. They're watching that establishment. You know, March Madness is is a literal event. You know, the Masters is an event. You know, in the Daytona 500, yes, it is also an event. I know that a lot of people, they look forward to the Daytona every year. Is like the, you know, that is like the NASCAR Super Bowl. Yeah, so... March Madness is one of those events, too, where most people, let's be honest, listening, probably don't watch any college basketball at all during the course of the year. I would say, you know, you might have like 3% of the listeners right now that would say, yeah, I'm a college basketball fan and I'm like invested. Like, there's a difference like, yeah, I watch Duke North. Is Duke North Carolina even a thing anymore? I have no idea because I was listening to Joe Lenardi last night on SVP, and he says this is the worst ACC that he's ever seen. I heard uh, – I saw something from Joe Lenardi say that the Mountain West could get more teams in than the ACC and – who was the other conference combined? Whew, I mean, I would say – The ACC is, and the Big 12. Is the Big 12 down this year? Or maybe the Big 10? I don't remember, but I, I mean, it was the Mountain West would have more teams than these two conference. Oh, the Pac-12. I Pac-12. think it was the Pac-12. That would make sense. That um, that he said would be. But the ACC, I said for years, the ACC was always the most overrated basketball conference in college basketball. It was Duke and North Carolina, and then there was like a third team. Right. And now that Duke, North Carolina aren't Duke, North Carolina anymore, the conference stinks because it's always stunk. It's always stunk. They're overrated. Overrated. Uh, all right, coming up. So, CBS Sports, our buddy Jeff Kerr, came up with a list of the 10 best quarterbacks that have never won a Super Bowl, but they're retired. All right? We'll try to, I haven't even seen the list yet. I never even opened the article yet. I just said, oh, this will be a good one to chew on. I got to imagine we all know who number one on the list is. But who are the other nine, and how many of today's quarterbacks would infiltrate this list? That's coming up on the Sports Fast Live on 97.3 ESPN. And the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, your home for Super Bowl 58. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. 
on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. There are many players historically in all sports that have an average that they have in the regular season that dip in the postseason. Lamar is that guy. We're not asking him to be more than he was in the regular season. We're asking him to be the same. Lamar Jackson is not the same in the postseason as he is in the regular season. Simple as that. He is worse. There's no argument around it. Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike this morning on 97.3 ESPN. So will Lamar Jackson go down as one of those quarterbacks to never win the big game? Jeff Kerr at CBS Sports has his list of the 10 best quarterbacks to never win the big game. Now, the caveat of this list is these guys are all retired. These are not active players. But what I want to try to do is to have you kind of knock off the list of 10. And then let's see who of the current quarterbacks would be replacing the guys in this list here. All right. So I think we all know who number one on this list is, right? Dan Marino. Dan Marino is like the Charles Barkley of the NFL. He's like the best guy who never won the, is Charles Barkley the NBA best guy? Is he, does he have that, uh, stature? I guess for most people he does. Some of them probably would argue like George Gervin or something. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Barkley, because uh, he's generally the guy that like he went to a finals with the Suns. Won an MVP. And was wildly regarded of like, you know, without Jordan, he was probably one of the, like the five best players of that time frame there. Um, all right. Do you have other guys to have never won a Super Bowl retired that would be on the list? I now know, and I will tell you yeah. that Jeff Kerr does agree that Dan Marino is number one. He is the best quarterback to never win a Super Bowl. And if you guys want to play along, 609-403-0973, you can text us, or if you're listening on the mobile app, you can send us. Remember, the 10 best quarterbacks to never win the Super Bowl, but retired, not currently playing. And then once we get the 10, we could try to add some current quarterbacks that would be on this list. Yeah, I got tons of names rattling in my head. I purposely did not look at this list because I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could get these 10. Okay. All right? I've been looking forward to this today. So I would have Jim Kelly as the next name. Jim Kelly is number three on the list. Of course, uh, he had four cracks at the Super Bowl and never made it one time. But he is high on the list, number three. Yo, let's go with Fran Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton is number two on the list. And, of course, uh, he had a amazing run uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, but no Super Bowls. The dude has almost like 50,000 passing yards, too, which is unheard of for a guy from that era. 4703 uh, is passing yards for Fran Tarkenton. Crazy. Yep. That guy was a slinger. Um, let's go with Warren Moon. Warren Moon's number five on the list and, uh, never even, uh, I don't think he even made it. No, never Warren made Moon it. never even made it to a Super Bowl. Yeah. He played, uh, he got, he got a couple of deep playoff runs with the Oilers, but I never got to his Super Bowl itself. Uh, the next guy off the top of my head, I would say I'm going to go with Boomer Esiason. Boomer. Uh, Boomer did appear in a Super Bowl and he is also, on the list at number 10. He also won a league MVP. He did. 1982? 83? 
It might have been a little later than that. I think he was on college. That 88, point. 88, sorry. 88. I was thinking of the 83 from the game yesterday with Joe Montana versus oh, the Lions. Right. That's where 83, but Boomer won in 88. They went to the Super Bowl yeah. uh, that year. Yep, and they were like a minute away from, from winning. Uh, Joe Montana went down, and mm-hmm. the rest is history there for Boomer. Never won that Super Bowl, but he is number 10 on the list. So I guess with him being number 10, you got to start thinking with Lamar Jackson usurp Boomer. Especially if he wins the second MVP this year. Okay, so you would have that question. There's a couple other ones on here that we could talk about. Uh, so you got a couple. You haven't even, you haven't got an X yet. An X? Yeah, that means you got one wrong. Oh, I, I actually had to explain it. You see what I'm, th- I had to explain what that means. My mind went to DMX. Yeah. X gonna give it to you. I don't so. know why it would go to DMX. <laughs> I won't have, see how, 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 DMX has any relevance to this, but you have not had an X yet, like, Family Feud, like eh, like with oh, the big red Steve X Harvey. up on the screen. Yeah, well, I was thinking more Richard Dawson, but uh, okay, fine. Yeah. go for it. I think Steve Harvey wears better suits, but okay. Well, you know, different time frame, different era, D- different era. Very, very yeah. true. Uh, okay, so Boomer's on there. See, this is where it gets tenuous for me because I've named six of the ten. So these were your top draft choices. Yeah, these are my top draft choices. Okay, so, so you I got hit, six of the ten. You hit some early ones, um, yeah. but. You're I at 10, so now you need 9, 8, 7, seven 6, six and, 4. and 4. Right. So, see, Boomer being at 10 kind of throws me off a little bit. So You thought he'd be higher on the list. I thought he'd be higher because there were some other guys I was thinking about. Like, for example, Steve McNair is a guy who I think might be on the list. Air McNair. Is on the list. He is. Steve Air okay. McNair is on the list. Uh, made it to a Super Bowl, almost won. He was a Kevin Dyson yard short. He comes in at number seven. Do you remember the man who tackled Kevin Dyson? Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Don't act like you don't know my name. See, now that's where you go with the DMX, uh, Mike Jones. Now who would be the better rapper? Well, Mike Jones wasn't wasn't on the DMX level. No, DMX is my favorite rapper of all time. Mike Jones would certainly lose out to. Uh, he probably lose in a fight to DMX too. That dude was a stud. Yeah. So Kevin Dyson comes up short. McNair's on the list. He made one Super Bowl. Okay, what about Randall Cunningham? Rock and Randall not on the list. That's mm. your first eh, Family Feud style. You got a you got an X. All right. So now I kind of have an idea of where I'm rolling with here. So do you have other quarterbacks in the chamber? By the way, a lot of Sixers missing the game tonight. Um, just throwing that out there. The whole team? Nico Batum, uh, Marcus Morris is questionable. Some other names. Uh, is anyone going to play tonight? Maxi is out. Will anyone play tonight? Um, Will it be the G League team? I don't know the Embiid status, but I'm just kind of getting little by little here. So there you go. My goodness. Watch it be like the Jaden Springer show tonight in Wyoming State. Have to be. Uh, all right. So I got one X to my name here. One strike on the column here. So how about Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers is on the list. Philip Rivers is actually number four on the wow. list. Uh, yeah. I mean, 63,000 passing yards mm. never made. A Super Bowl. Got to a conference championship. He did. Um, also 421 passing touchdowns, sixth all time, but, uh, no Super Bowl appearances for Phillip Rivers. All right. So we're going to go with Chargers. How about Dan Fouts? Dan Fouts is also on the list. He comes in at number 
eight, um, 4,300 passing yards, fourth most touchdowns, um, you know, when he retired back in 1987. I uh, think he played an NFC, an AFC championship game, but do not uh, remember the Chargers. Uh, he was not the quarterback of the Chargers when they made the play, uh, Super no. Bowl. That was what, Stan Humphreys? That was Stan Humphreys. Yeah, I believe that was the – they lost the conference championship game to Ken Anderson and the Bengals when they had to go to Cincinnati. It was like super freezing cold out. Yep. So Dan Fouts is number eight on the list, which means you need number six and number nine. All right. You only got one wrong so far, so I'm pretty impressed. See, I'm trying to have, I'm trying to like maneuver history because I'm, you know, the, one of the problems is, is that when you think about who's been in a Super Bowl, most of those people are either one hit wonders like Vince Ferragamo or they're guys who got back and won a championship like a Manning. So I'm trying to think of somebody who maybe they never made it at all. Like, for example, he said no Randall, so he can't. How about Donovan McNabb? Donovan McNabb. No, he did make a Super Bowl. He did. You just said you wanted to go to a guy who didn't make a Super Bowl. Yeah, and but then I, took a curveball right did. in the middle of it. He is on the list at number six. He That's has nine high. playoff wins. It's the most by a quarterback that has never. Won a Super Bowl. Donovan I did not know that. McNabb. He has more playoff wins than Drew Brees and Dan Marino. I would have never guessed that. That's wild. Well, he went to four five. NFC, five NFC champions. That's right. He was the quarterback in 09 as well. And then they traded him like a week later. Right. He got rid of him a week later to Washington. What was that? Like, uh, that was right, right around Easter, right? It was actually Easter Sunday. It was Easter Sunday? It was Easter Sunday. They made the trade. McNabb got traded. I believe it was Dominic Rogers Cromartie was part of that trade. <laughs> That's a name from the Flash from the Past. I wasn't trying to be funny. I just said giving you the, the guy in the DRC. trade. DRC. DRC. There was somebody else in the trade. I don't remember who it was, but I'm there pretty sure. There might have been like a saying. draft pick or something in that. All right, you need one more. I need one more. Yep. One more guy, and I think he's gettable. You think this is attainable? I do. I think this guy is attainable. Let me see here. I'm trying to think of now. See, now my brain is like rattling around. Like, like how risky do I get with this? Because I, I've named all the, some, I named the obvious people up front. So now we're trying to dig through the database of my mind to see, like I'm trying to not go with like the first name that pops in my head because that's not always the right answer. At least with me, it's not. Well, you said you were looking for a guy who didn't make the Super Bowl, then proceeded to give me a guy who did make the Super yeah. Bowl, but he happened to be right, Donovan McNabb. Yeah. By the number- way, the listeners did a really good job so far. Almost every single person who texted in was accurate. Now, has anybody texted in the name of the guy I have not named yet? No. Okay, so they haven't gotten it yet either. Okay, that's nope. interesting. Um, if I give a hint... I feel like this, if I give a hint, it's going to be really, um, all right. I will say this guy is a recent retiree. Recent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Guys who have played recently, but now are retired. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to say Jay Cutler. <laughs> 
So I'm going to throw him out. I don't know where Jay Cutler would come into play here or be anywhere close to this list, but sure, okay. I I, I saw that on uh, Brandon Marshall was on RG3's podcast talking about Jay Cutler, so I saw that on. Okay. Uh, well, no, on nobody Twitter. else out there because Jay Cutler would be just like a random like average quarterback. But he like, did, why he, would he be even close to this list? There's a part of me that wants to say Jeff Garcia, mm-hmm. but I keep not wanting to say it because. I'm trying to find somebody else who might have put up better numbers in their career. Because Garcia was like a flash in the pan. He was like a three, four year, like five years or whatever it was. And and that was it. I mean, I I will say I'm very impressed that you got nine nine out of ten guesses. With one So far, the names that you're coming up here would not have crossed my mind. Certainly not Jay Cutler. Not Jeff Garcia either. (laughs) Is the guy. These are. Quarterbacks who have never, never won, won the Super Bowl. But are retired. They're all retired. That's, and I said, this guy is a recent retiree. Recent retiree. Um, played mostly with one team. He did play for two, but mostly with one team. He is very associated with that one team. That's an interesting one. Made one Super Bowl. He made uh, Matt Hasselbeck. Not Matt Hasselbeck. Darn. Um, well, Matt Hasselbeck had an illustrious career, but uh, I think he threw for over like thirty thousand passing yards. So. Okay, did make a Super Bowl. He did. Mm-hmm. Seahawks. He and he's did. mostly associated with that one team. He played for two other teams at the end of his career. Well, he only played for two teams. This guy only played for two, but he's associated with one. Specifically with one. Yeah, I'm wondering. Oh, the text messages are getting it. The okay, they're getting I've it. I've gotten it way before you now. Well, that's not that surprising. Oh, I mean, you did a really good job of getting to this point. Did you say this guy made a Super Bowl? He has been a Super Bowl and he won an MVP. Oh, man. I mean, he... if I give you the biggest hint of it all, you, you, would, you right, would. Right, if you give me the team, I'm going to figure well, it out. Well, not the team. That's not my next hint. I'll tell you what my next hint would be. After you're really struggling here. <laughs> well, I'm down the two strikes already, so. I'm trying to think of guys who were in the Super Bowl but won MVP but didn't win the championship. That's a that's gotta be a real small list, honestly. MVP. MVP. Pretty much one team went to a Super Bowl. Cam Newton. Not Cam Newton. Did go to a Super Bowl and won and an MVP. MVP. That's a good one. <laughs> Pull that one out there. <laughs> um, no, but the listeners have gotten this one. All right, let, let's find out what listener got it first. Uh, there's one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them got them like right in a row. Wow. All right. Well, I, I'm, I got three strikes. Eight, now another one. And I'm three strikes. I'm out. In. Yeah, so. you are out. So um, some of the answers that were wrong were Andrew Luck. I would have never guessed Luck didn't play long enough. All right. Andrew Luck. That was Robin Millville. Um, let's see here. Going with. I think I just might have remembered who it is. All right. Carson Palmer was not the right answer. Carson Palmer did not. He says, Carson Palmer, come on, Henning, as if he got it right and you have it. <laughs> it's not Carson Palmer. No Super Bowl for Carson Palmer. Nah, he never and got no there. MVP either. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, he won the Heisman, though. He didn't win MVP. Alex Smith also 
neither of those accomplishments. Correct. Um, he wasn't even the quarterback for the Niners. It was Kaepernick. Kaepernick started that game, correct. Because Alex Smith got injured, and that's how Kaepernick got his shot. Another Carson Palmer an- um, answer. All right, the answer is, do you want to take one more guess, or do you think you've already – I mean, you, you said you think you've got it now. I do. I I think the guy I should have gotten but I failed to get was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is the answer. Matt Ryan, a Super Bowl with the Falcons, who he played most of his career, career with. with. My other, um, my other clue would have been he was in the booth this year. That would have not helped me. Really? <laughs> that would have failed me. <laughs> I mean, jeez. I barely remember him being in the booth. I mean, he did. It was him, Tiki Barber, and uh, Andrew Catalan were the uh, crew that were on the CBS crew together. That was what, like the C team, the I don't D know, team, but. Uh, yeah, so that's the okay. So those are the ten quarterbacks who never won, and I got nine out of ten, which is not bad. You got not the you got nine out of the first ten guesses you got right, and then after that, a little rocky. But yeah, you got hit- to Matt Ryan. He came in by the way at number nine. Interesting on the list. So, are there any current quarterbacks that should? will replace some of these guys on the list. Yes, Kirk Cousins will. Wow. So Kirk Cousins, you're saying, is ahead of who? I mean, not ahead of Dan Fouts. Is he ahead of... I mean, the way he... He had Fouts ranked at eighth. He had McNair, seven. McNabb, six. Warren Moon, five. Phillip Rivers, four. Jim Kelly, three. Tarkin, and two. Marino, one. And by the way, behind Fouts was Matt Ryan and Boomer Esiason. Kirk Cousins already has 39,471 passing yards. Kirk Cousins, though, no Super Bowl appearances no. and no MVP. But neither does Warren Moon. So you would, by the way, he has Warren Moon at number five on this list. Thanks a little high. You think, all right. So I'd you argue would, with Kerr about that. Okay, so you would move Moon off the list, Cousins in, and drop people down. Well, I need Cousins to play one more season. He needs but to get he, that 40,000. One, I would imagine. All right. Uh, another guy I would throw in there. I mean, really. Active player. Right. I mean, these are. Which active players would then be, if you were putting active players on the list? I mean, is Lamar Jackson on this list? Is sure. Josh Allen on this list? Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow. I mean, now, of course, some of these guys are young in their careers still. Yeah, so Josh Allen, know. though, I think he's at the point where he's. Played enough and had chances. He's cro- he's crossing that uh, Mason Dixon. How many line? years has Allen been in the league? He's got to be five, six well, years he was now. In the right? same draft as Allen, uh, uh, Mahomes. No, no, no. The same draft as Lamar. So twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen. So eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Right now, Allen. Yeah, he's, he's played six years. I mean, Allen's already got twenty two thousand seven hundred. I think a six yards. year run. Is a good enough sample. Good size. enough sample size. So Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I don't know. You putting Dak Prescott? I mean, Dak's put up the numbers, and if we're if we're putting Warren Moon on one of these lists, you gotta you gotta consider Dak. All right. Um, Dak's been playing longer than some of these guys too. How about? I would think the only other options. Of active players. Of active players. It would be Lamar Jackson, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen, 
Dak Prescott and Stafford just got one. Wait, Staff- Stafford would have been Wilson had one. Stafford would have been like the the obvious answer before he won a championship. The only other guy, and I wouldn't put him on the list. I mean, Burrow's not hasn't played enough yet. Right. I still want to give Burrow like two more years. You said Kirk Cousins. All right. I can maybe think about Kirk Cousins. The one other guy, I guess, would be um, uh, down in New Orleans. Oh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, but I don't think he's better than any of the guys on that. Nah, one. he's not better than anyone. I like Derek Carr, like the person, the player, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's put up the resume. So that would be it. So right now, currently playing, who have not won a Super Bowl, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. Those are the Kirk Cousins. And Cousins, four. Those four. Are in consideration. Would be into consideration of one of the best if they don't win the Super Bowl. I'm very surprised that Kerr is so down on Boomer. Because Boomer had a run. I mean, I'll double check, but I thought he had a run. He had more years than just the MVP year. Mm-hmm. All right, 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. So a lot of the Matt Ryan. You did get a lot of help with Matt Ryan. Mike and Marmora, Chris and Millville. Um, some people didn't leave their name. Uh, Matt Ryan, great list. Uh, yep. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this guy ripped you, but then he gave the wrong answer. <laughs> that was funny, though. Matt Ryan, Dan and EHT. Um, a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of Matt Ryan. A lot of people just said Matt Ryan didn't leave a name. Matt Ryan, um, by the way, uh, bad job by Josh. The list of MVP lost a Super Bowl is tiny. I, I mean... I can't give you a bad job. You got nine out of the first ten. I guess he's saying the fact that I told you that he was an MVP and he was in a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think what they're saying is that the hint should have given it to me. Yeah. Although Uh, I named Cam Newton. So, I mean. (laughs) Right. The guys you guessed that were wrong were in Super Bowls and MVPs. Right. So, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Like, you got – it wasn't like you picked guys that were neither – like for example, the well, the Matt Hasselbeck. Matt Hasselbeck was not a good guess. No. Now looking back, Jay at Cutler it. not either. How about Justin Herbert as Justin, a current player? Herbert to me is like Burrow. I need to see more years out of him. Uh, what draft was Herbert in? They were in the same draft together. They Maybe were that was okay. 2000. Yeah, then they need another two years. I would think they're in their fourth years now, right? They both have played. They both have played four years already. Yeah, they're going into their fifth, fifth and Hertz year. is going into his fourth Correct. because Hertz. Didn't start potentially could get on that list. Hertz has got to put the time in though. Mm-hmm. He's got to put the miles. By the way, Randall not being on the list does surprise me. You know, Randall was a phenomenal player. It, it is surprising that a guy who some people consider a borderline Hall of Famer didn't make the list. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, if who would you bump off? Would you put Randall over Warren Mc, Moon, McNabb? Maybe. I mean, the McNabb thing, McNabb though. McNabb has to be on the list. because you he mentioned won nine the, playoff games. The, the, I didn't realize he had more playoff wins than Drew Brees. More than anybody on the list. Like, that's significant. That's very significant. All right, well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll try to do some more of those through the offseason. Have some fun. Um, Scott Grayson grades the coordinators that the Eagles hired. 
What does he think about Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio, and the new staff? Find out when we do Grayson's Grades. Coming up next on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. It's this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Keeping the fans entertained and happy. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 531 Sports Bass. Scott Grayson grades. The Eagles coordinators coming up in just a moment here on the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I want to remind you this hour of the show brought to you by Broadleaf Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Broadleaf's your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them at 609 390 3907. Visit them online at Broadleaf's. Dot net. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. Don't forget, a week from today, we will be leaving to head to the Super Bowl. We will be live on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at uh, the Mandalay Bay for Radio Row. And uh, as these uh, commercial break there, um, we've got... Uh, you know, a bunch of people that we're trying to set up interviews with. And Scott Grayson will be joining me for another season on Radio Row. We'll be out there for three days. And I'm looking forward to it, Scott. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, it should be a good time, right? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to Vegas. Now I'm counting on you uh, to show me around. Yeah, I well, there's, I, I think there will be no shortage of things for us to do. <laughs> and people to speak to, all right? Yeah. Well, uh, literally, as you're, uh, we're, we're getting you on the phone here, um, we just got a couple emails for some people that we're going to be having on the show, it looks like. So some good ones here, all right? Uh, going to be, uh, looks like uh, Rich Eisen, uh, Kevin Harlan, Mike Golick. So a couple of uh, people uh, that we just added to the list today. So good stuff there. All right. Uh, Grayson Grades for the coordinators. Um, let's start with Vic Fangio. Um you know, it was kind of out of right field that he gets released uh, of his duties or kind of a, you know, parting of the ways, if you will, from Miami. So I guess this question is an interesting one. Do you like the Fangio hire? Or would you have rather seen them go with a different kind of scheme? Uh, well, that's a, boy, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I, I would have. I think what they need is fresh faces to a certain extent, and they're certainly going to get that because there are obviously some uh, some personnel decisions, big ones to be made on the defensive side of the ball, and and, and really a, a decision to be made as far as what direction they want to go in and how they're going to go about doing that, and that's Howie's job. As far as Fangio goes, I'm all right with Fangio because I just need – they needed more um, – uh, well, frankly, they needed stability on that side of the ball. Uh, but but he can only do so much. I mean, he's going to need to have some pieces to play with. Um, and, and, you know, I saw one of his hires already that they're, that uh, the defensive line coach was saying, yeah, I don't want guys going backwards. So you're looking at these guys. Um, like, how many times were we all getting frustrated and wondering what's going on with Hassan Reddick dropping in coverage so much? Um, the big guys are meant to go forward. So, 
I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out and what kind of players they put into his system and, and then how he tries to make it work there. This is where they wanted to be a year ago. They, you know, they were so frustrated with the Jonathan Gannon situation. They wanted to keep Fangio if Gannon left, but Gannon and getting to the Super Bowl, um, that took too long and, and Fangio was already gone. So now here they are where they would have been a year ago. Uh, but I, I'm okay with the move. I, I like I like Fangio coming in as a guy who's going to have respect. He's going to have, um, you know, he does have a little bit of a harder edge to him, which I think some of these younger players still need to have uh, from a coach. And 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 so I, I'm okay with the move, Mike. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does um, as the guy who is. It's his system, right? It's not somebody running his system. So. I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out, um, you know, as they get into next year. How do you think that um, plays for the offseason? I mean, I had said earlier, like, you bring in a, a guy like Fangio, that tells me that Roseman, um, he's got to be aggressive. Like, you don't bring him in here and just say, hey, we're going to try to go on the cheap again and find these, like, duct tape and spackle guys, Terrell Edmonds and Justin Evans, like, uh, to me, you go get Fangio, you're telling him, I'm going to get you talent. Don't worry about it. You would like to think so, because if you're Fangio, you're kind of not taking the job, you would think, unless that's the case. Now, there's all those uh, you know rumors out there. He's obviously from around here and and, um, and wanted to get closer to family. So uh, you would like to think he wasn't going to take this job unless he's got the pieces to be able to put over there. Now, he's looking at the other side of the ball and saying, hey, look, I should be coming to a team that – that should be able to put some points on the board. So my defense does not have to be the best in the league. It just needs to be good enough uh, to, to try to keep the other team from scoring too many points. So I think you look at it and you grew right. I mean, these, they can't afford to just be um, you know, trying to piecemeal this thing together. And then there is a lot, as we said, to, to fix on this defense personnel-wise. Um, the question is, can Fangio get Howie to put a little bit more of, of emphasis on linebackers because they they like you said uh, the the spackle and, and paint job that they put on on that position alone was was just so obvious that they've got to do a better job there and I'll be curious to see how Fangio works with Howie to get the kind of guys and which guys he specifically goes after uh to try to build this defense around I mean I think you're building it around Jalen Carter um I think you want to build it around Jordan Davis uh, and, and let those younger guys and, and build up front work out. But you've got to have linebackers in this league. You, you look at the teams that are still playing right now. Look at the linebackers they have. I, I mean, uh, and that were playing this past weekend. They, they've got players at that position, and it's just been ignored by this this team. So I, I'm looking to see what kind of thing Fangio works uh, with Howie to get what kind of names they bring in here uh, to be able to play on his defense. Uh, Scott Grayson grades the coordinators. And, uh, you know, you look on that defensive side of the ball, Vic Fangio's here. Um, you know, I, I agree with what you said about Carter and Davis. Like, I was actually, like, listen, I, I'm not a big fan. Like, I didn't hate John Gannon. I understood his system. The system is not my favorite, but I thought he did a good job with that system. And the defense was number two in the league. It's just not a system that most people like aesthetically. That said, I think Fangio probably is a little bit, will have a little bit more wrinkles and more tricks. I was hoping for a guy who was going to build a defense more around Jalen Carter. And I don't know that that defense does that, right? I mean, yeah, this is predicated on getting a lot of rush from your four, but I wanted to see a defense that was more like, hey, like Aaron Donald's our guy. Let's build a defense around him. 
Yeah, and, and we all here love the idea of blitzing. I mean, this city loves the idea of bringing pressure and, and making you uh, have to find your way to get through it somehow. And, um, you know, I would love to have seen that be sort of what they tried to do around Jalen Carter. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think, yeah, like, making like look, Jalen Carter, he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. If he's not, it's a, it's a crime. Uh, and most of that is predicated on what he did in the first half of the year. I mean, the second half was just, well, like the rest of the team was just awful. Not awful. It was just, it was absent. And, um, and not as prominent as the first half. But I think Jalen Carter showed you he's got a lot he can bring. And I think you, you're – you're remiss if you don't build around a young player like that. And, and you, you know, and, and frankly, Mike, I'm looking to see what Nolan Smith's going to give you in year two. There's, he needs to put on some weight. There's things he needs to learn in technique and, but he didn't know what he didn't know until he got through this season. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him, uh, as well. But you look at Jalen Carter and I think you, you're, you, you Fangio's got to build something around him, right? I mean, how do you not build around a guy like that who's got the ability to blow up, um, you know, the middle of the line? And you're right, like Aaron Donald's a great example. And that's a guy that Jalen Carter wants to be like. He wants to model his career after. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to? But, you know, I, I think you're right about the, the defense and, and what they do with, with Carter and whether or not this is the right guy to build a defense around Carter because it, it makes you wonder. Um, but I think there's so much more they could do. Uh, but we'll see what Fangio does. I mean, you know, everybody learns in the previous stops they've had, and then they try to adapt a little bit in what they bring. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he's going to have some assistant coaches who are going to have input with him as well to try to mold things and, and put things into play uh, around that as well. But Well, they went out, too, and uh, got yeah. guys who were um, – they got guys who were former coordinators, and they're talking to guys who were former coordinators. It seems that – I, like I said, like they tried to go kind of on the cheap this past year, and they saw that, that that didn't work. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. It's it's not just the coordinator; it's the guys they're putting around them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see as the offense starts flushing out around Kellen Moore that it's it's more of the same. Um, you know, guys with experience with ideas. It, it's it shows you that this that you're right. They went on the cheap, and what they found was. It stale was the word that was used at the press conference with Howie and, and Nick. The things got stale. The offense was stale. The defense was stale. Everything was just, just, ugh, like, ugh. And, and I think what they, what they're trying to do now, the overcorrection is the more guys I have in here, the more chefs I put in the kitchen, the more likely I am going to be to come out with something really exotic here, right? And I think that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're putting all these pieces in place around the coordinator himself to bring ideas in, have those conversations in the building and throughout the off season and to try to put together a playbook that's going to, you know, be a coordinator's, uh, you know, the, in this case, Nick Fangio's defense, but with some wrinkles, right? And and that's what I think they're trying to do here. And, and like I said, I think they're going to try to do that on offense as well. So let's go to the other side of the ball and get Kellen Moore. I mean, there were some options out there. Cliff Kingsbury uh, was one of the names. They didn't talk to Arthur Smith, but he just got hired by uh, Pittsburgh. They end up with Kellen Moore, a name that a lot of people will be familiar with from, from the Cowboys. Uh, were you excited about this? Did you like this move? How would you grade the decision to have Kellen Moore run this offense? I've been going kind of back and forth a little bit uh, in my head. And my my initial reaction was, oh, I mean, Dak had one of his worst years with Kellen Moore there. Uh, but then again, it's it's Dak, and obviously he's been unable to get things going for any kind of a playoff run in his career. 
is that Kellen? Is it Dak? Is it other things with the offense? You know, what what I like about Kellen Moore is we're going to have a guy who comes in here with, with a system that has continued to evolve. He had pieces in place and with the Chargers, um, to, with playmakers now at, at different places than he's going to have on this team. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm liking the move to see what they do with this as well. What they had to do was get different because they became so predictable that that every team in that whole second half of the season knew exactly what was coming. They're just and and it was it was all this flipping of the nose by the Eagles' offense to say, well, why do we need to run motion? I mean, do it, you know. And so they started throwing a little bit of motion in, but motion throws it off. I'm looking forward to seeing what Kellen Moore puts in here with his wrinkles on offense as well with these playmakers because they have obviously. I think it was an appealing job, which is why they got so many. Decent named guys to look at this job. You've got a, 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 a franchise quarterback in Jalen Hurts, and I know some people soured on him. And did he regress this year? Yeah, he regressed from two years ago. But this year, he, um, you know, I think he was dealing with a knee injury, and I think he's going to be coming back motivated to do more. They had to get him uncomfortable a little bit too by bringing in a guy that Jalen isn't, you know, familiar with throughout his whole career. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Kellen Moore does with Jalen Hurts. Uh, as far as the other play, you got two number one receivers out there. You got a tight end who can make big plays over the middle. Be interested to see what they do with their uh, running backs. But you know, you've got an offensive line that even if Kelsey leaves, has a lot of key pieces and a lot of good pieces in place with the best offensive line coach. So I think this is an appealing job, and I'm I am curious to see what Kellen Moore does with it. Overall, Mike, I do like the hire. And I will be curious to see how Jalen works with Kellen Moore and what Moore does with this offense. Is there a player in the offense that you're intrigued on how Moore might use him? Well, I mean, obviously, I think you start with the quarterback because one thing Jalen didn't do was run as much this year. And there was a lot of debate. Was it something that Jalen didn't want to do because he signed the big contract now and he was trying to stay healthy? Was it something the Eagles instructed him not to do because they wanted him to stay healthy? Um, you know, I'll be curious to see what Kellen Moore does and how he tries to, first of all, evolve and use Jalen Hurts. Um, outside of that, I think there's a lot more that could be done that was not done with these receivers. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, again, to use the word stale, their routes were stale. There was just not a whole lot of, of um, innovation uh, w- with trying to get those guys open. Half the time it seemed like it was just – Jalen would see a guy and try to throw it to him and let them make a play more than, you know, a route that was run to an open spot, and and then Jalen would go find him. I think Dallas Goddard is an interesting piece. I want to see how Kellen Moore tries to involve Goddard more because I think we all agree Goddard needs to be a little bit more of a factor uh, over the middle of this offense um, to help free up the guys on the outside a little better. So. Uh, you asked for one guy. I kind of gave you several there, but I think it all starts with Jalen Hurts and what kind of quarterback Kellen Moore wants him to be. Does Jalen want to be that guy as well? And what kind of, uh, you know, can those two guys get on the same page to start where you start flipping the pages in the playbook to get the rest of it, uh, you know, installed? And ultimately, uh, we'll start to see the pieces getting put together when free agency begins, the draft after that, the offseason's here. The Eagles have checked off two major boxes, coordinators. They went the veteran route. Kellen Moore, a young guy, only 35 years old, but he has been a coordinator, I think, for like four or five seasons already. Uh, four with uh, Dallas and one in Sandy, uh, L.A. And then Vic Fangio has been around, uh, man, longer than most people listening in the audience today. So uh, a week from today, we'll be in the air. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Scott and I 
we'll have our annual Radio Row shows, and we're looking forward to bringing those to you here next week on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Scott, I'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, start packing. <laughs> All right, uh, we will do so, and uh, I guess it's going to be warm out there is what the speculation might be. We're going to have a lot of great interviews uh, for the week. We always try our best to track down at as many people as we can. Hey, when we come back, some news on Carter Hart, and it is not good. It's next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, getting ready to get out of here on this uh, Tuesday night. Uh, breaking news on Carter Hart. So the latest on Carter Hart is he has been directed to surrender to the London police. He will be charged with sexual assault in connection with that 2018 hockey uh, event in Canada. Uh, he is one of the five players that are being asked to surrender. The Flyers have put out a statement. They said, quote, we are aware of the additional press reports on this very serious matter. We will respond appropriately when the outcomes of the investigations are made public. The NHL has been very clear that teams should refer all investigation-related questions to them. In the meantime, members of the organization, including Flyers players, will not be commenting further. Uh, Carter Hart's law team has also put out a statement saying we act for Carter Hart and confirm he has been charged with one count of sexual assault. He is innocent and will provide a full response to these false allegations in the proper forum of court of law. Until then, we have no comment. So that is uh, the very latest on Carter Hart. He has been named one of the five players to surrender to the London police on sexual assault charges. Yeah, and let's not forget that, you know, some of these charges may not be explicitly about the committers of the assault. It may be about their knowledge or their, you know, maybe didn't they didn't report it. Maybe they you know, saw and walked away kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of variables that go into this. So Carter Hart may not have done anything, you know, tangibly wrong, but he may have been in the wrong because he didn't try to stop it. Yeah, he is one of four players who have been told to surrender. It's uh, Carter Hart, Michael McLeod, Dylan Dubé, and uh, Cal Foote uh, are the four, five. There's a fifth player um, as well. Yeah, but, according, uh, according to TSN, there there technically is eight John Doe's, and they're all involved in this case. Well, we have more on our website. Kevin Durso has a story up right now at 973ESPN.com. Flyers, of course, are off until a week from today. They don't return until the 6th. They're on their break here. Uh, we know Carter Hart took a leave of absence from the team. We now know why. And he has been named as one of the players asked to surrender. So more on our website, 973ESPN.com. All right, that's it for me. Mike Gill in the Sports Bash. I'm back tomorrow. Josh has game night up next. Sixers tonight at 10.30, excuse me, 10 o'clock. 
in Golden State against the Warriors. Very shorthanded. Have a great night, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.